This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're sitting here in Richmond, on the grass, on the green, outside the green, in the fresh air. First time I've done this for a couple of months, I'm, I'm a little bit rusty, as we say. This is the, I don't know, this is the late post-season podcast, the one when we get all the gossip, all the information, all the news. I think it's early pre-season, early pre-season. You think it's early pre-season, what are you saying? I'd say early pre-season as well. Are you you're agreeing with Sav? You, you're ganging up here? <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to gang up against you as well, I'm afraid, that's it, definitely early pre-season. I'll tell you something, okay, it's the early pre-season podcast, the one where we get all the gossip, all the action, players going out, players coming in, all the little rumours that are flying around, and we've seen a few games as well. My name's Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here, I'm back in the boozer. I'm in the Princess Head, right on Richmond Green. Wicked, wicked boozer. We haven't actually done a podcast here before, and I don't know why. Because this is the great, great we have, apparently, according to Sav. Yeah, we have. It was the day that um, Victoria Wood died. So I remember it was on the telly while we were sitting there doing a podcast. Ah, I see. So Sav's got the older encyclopedic memory going on here. But we have been here before. Princess Head, right on the green. They've got the cricket going on. They've got all sorts of stalls out there. People are sort of drinking all sorts of stuff here. I'm sitting there with my pint of... Well, I've got this pint of Pride here. But I've also got a bit of Top Head going on as well. And uh, Savvy, what are you drinking? I'm, I'm drinking Pride as usual. Ah, the old Pride band as well. I'm on the old Hop Head. Oh, the Hop Head. And I've gone Frontier. There is, it's got, it's got, they're going full circle here in, in, in the Princess Head. If you ever get a chance to come down here, it's actually really, really, really good. I might even come here before a game, have a couple of pints, then pop up on the 65 and go to Brentford. But anyway, my name's Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here with my chums. To the left of me, I've got the flower, the flower man, Damo. Yeah, that's me, that's me. Hi. How you doing? I'm all right, thanks, Bill. How are you? Very, very well. So I'm going to come back to you in a minute. I'm just going to find out about your summer, but I just wanted to introduce the characters around the table. The right of me, I've got Savvy B. Savvy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Billy. Uh, it's currently 138 for four in the cricket across the across the way there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely, gorgeous day. Just, yeah, very happy. It's not the Cricket World Cup, though, is it? Uh, no, that's tomorrow. Yeah. Looking, oh, for, actually, looking forward to that? Depends when this goes out. It, it was yesterday when England were fantastic. That's right, <laughs> okay. And we've got a new character in the house as well. Like I said, should we invite 
anyone and anyone to come on here listen just come as far as we're concerned give your points of view you come on the podcast as long as you can string some words together and you can put in some arguments together we love to have you on and we put a little call out today and tom tom fiddler he came and said tell you something guys i would love to come on the podcast so it's very good to have you tom how you doing yeah very well thank you very much for having me it's uh yeah it's quite weird being this side of it as i always see at the other end but it's uh, quite nice to be involved in it as well so thank you which is all good, which is all good. But listen, in the show today, this is going to be a bumper podcast as it is, because as you imagine, we haven't done a podcast for two months now. We've had lots of people asking, when's the podcast? When's the podcast? We've been all over the shop and not been able to pull one together. But we thought, this is a very, very good time to do that. We'll be discussing Brentford's dealings in the transfer market. We'll be having a look at the players that Brentford have signed. We'll also be getting a fan's eye view, loads of fan's eye views. And this is when we talk to fans from other teams. We'll be talking about Pontus Janssen, Christian Norgaard, Matthias Jensen and Ethan Pinnock as well. We'll be talking to Leeds fans, Bromby fans and Barnsley fans as well. Also, we'll be looking at the players who left Brentford and we'll be checking out the gossip. But I'll tell you something... I've been getting quite excited as of late, you know. I've been sort of in my own little world, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I've been excited as of late. Um, have you been excited? I mean, what has been making you excited, Savvy B? Uh, well, I've actually been excited about uh, the film I'm making at the moment, which is uh, about uh, breweries in West London, which includes Fuller's. And uh, that's, that's been quite exciting. That's been my, my summer so far, really. And uh, we're launching that this week. So that's, that's been making me excited. But on a, on a B's level... Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited, obviously, by the people coming in, but I'm also very excited about some of the B, B team players coming through. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing a kind of a joint, a joint approach to, to moving forward, getting those B teamers in the first team and getting some good, uh, experienced players coming in from, from elsewhere. And is this what you've been up to? And obviously, you talk about your brewery film that you're going to be coming out next week. Is that what you've been up to in the summer? Have you been up to anything else? Uh, no, I mean pretty much. Uh, been, I, I tend to I tend to work up until about mid July, and then I, I take kind of six weeks off, and uh, so it's all been work so far this summer. But uh, I had a lovely little project down the Clapham South Deep Shelters. If you know about them, this uh, during the war they built these massive shelters which hold eight thousand people each, and there was eight of them across London. And uh, the Clapham Deep Sh- Clapham South one is still there, and we went down there with a group of kids and did a, a little film, and it's amazing, absolutely amazing. If you ever get a chance to go down, it's part of Hidden London that London Transport Museum are doing now. It's absolutely amazing. Amazing! I tell you something, check that out as well. And if you want any more info about that as well, just maybe tweet us, message us at Besotted. We'll get Sav to give you the information on that. Cause it sounds fantastic. Listen, Demo as well. Listen, what has been making you excited? What have you been up to this summer? Uh, well, this summer I've had a little family holiday um, and I've been checking out a good few beer festivals as you can probably tell from my uh, t-shirt today. So uh, yeah, been sampling the ales, so I'm, I'm match fit for the uh, the beers this afternoon. And uh, in terms of excitement, I think there's so much going on at Brentford. I mean, you know, it's, it's a fantastic time to be a Bees fan, right? You know, there's, there's the new stadium's on the way. It's, it's, you know, it's almost there now, isn't it? It's, you, can, you can physically see it. Um, but obviously the team's shaping up to, uh, to be really strong this coming season so uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that and uh, I can't wait till, till, till the season starts Beer festivals in summer and football's coming up actually you've, uh, you've been having a pretty good time and yeah. so listen Tom as well you know, what have you been up to in the summer and what has been making you excited? 
Uh, well, I guess uh, I guess I've been trying to get used to the fact that I'm now an elected councillor for the first time. So, uh, so I'm elected on my local council. So, trying to get used to that. But uh, I think for me, what, one of the most exciting things that I've been noticing, obviously football-wise, is the fact that Brentford are, are trending on Twitter a hell of a lot more at the minute. You know, there is a real buzz around the club. You see, you know, some players coming in, some players going out. You're seeing them pop up in different places that you didn't expect, and uh, yeah, filling out all the bits and getting excited for the new stadium as well. So, uh, yeah. And your summer, I mean, what do you do when there was no bees? What, what, what did you get up to? To be honest, I, I've been in kind of World Cup frenzy. I mean, I, I know I'm not alone in this as well, that's it, but I've been uh, been able to really enjoy the other World Cups, so it was great to, to watch some of the, the Women's World Cup fi- um, finals as well, and then also the, the Cricket World Cup as well to keep me uh, nice and interested. So it feels like really the season finished, but sport didn't, and then all of a sudden we're back in its pre-season again, so I made it to a couple of those games as well. It's a bit of a man. I can hear exactly where you're at because I'm in a, I'm a, bit, I'm in a bit of a predicament at the moment now because like everyone's getting really excited for the season to start. But my, for me, the season's only just about finished. Obviously, after the season ended, I actually went to pretty much to all the playoff finals as it was as well. I was luckily enough to Sky to brought us on board and they basically asked me to find fan, to film a load of fan videos for them as well so I was doing a lot of fan content and fan videos for Sky so I ended myself in the Derby end in the Leeds end filming fans talking to fans and also I was at the playoff final as well um, at Wembley on the pitch as well filming fans filming players filming everything like that which is a really great experience really different you know I, I met Dean Smith I chatted to Dean Smith up at Aston Villa really again really lovely bloke like I said to you first thing that he did he asked about my son about my family chatted about the games interestingly he did ask me about a few Brent for players as well at the time I have to say this now I can say this now because everyone knows that as well and then I spoke to Richard O'Kelly on the pitch at Wembley as well and he asked me about the same Brentford players as well so uh, I think that's quite an interesting situation make of that what you want um, but yeah that was all good and like I said to you I did that the player final and then a couple of weeks later I went to the Nations League over in Portugal with the England and that was a brilliant week over in Portugal with all my chums out there and uh, yeah it was really really good a tournament that came out of nowhere and it was a bit of a bizarre one but it was actually really good really friendly Portugal was a fantastic fantastic place and like I said to you one of the best moments out of there was uh, when the England fans came out after all the nonsense that we got from, uh, from the press um, from the problems that were caused by you know a few idiots that were out there but you know the other 20,000 people that are out there having a good time when we walked out of Guimaris Guimaris, and we walked out the match and we walked through the, the town and everyone just walked out and gave us a guard of honour. And all the, all the people from the village, you know, or the town, were just clapping us. And no one expected it. And everyone said, oh, it's put on. But it wasn't. It really was well received. And they were really happy to have the England fans. Because they came there in good mood, you know, had a good laugh. Yes, they did spend a lot of money as well. But also, they just brought a little bit of difference to that, you know, to that town. So that was really a bit of a touching moment. The last time I saw that was in Japan in 2002 when I walked out the stadium. And there's all these Japanese asking England fans to sign autographs, which I thought was really quite bizarre, you know. <laughs> You know, and then after that, like I said, Women's World Cup for me, and I spent a lot of time. If you watch my Twitter, actually, I wasn't too active on the Twitter for that one because I was just trying to keep it down a little bit. But myself and my my daughter, my little ten-year-old daughter as well, we went to the Women's World Cup, and for me, the experience that she had, her and her mates that I took out to the Women's World Cup absolutely fantastic they were completely in it completely into the football she got into the whole vibe of traveling going on and off ferries going on and off trains going on and off planes getting up early in the morning late at night the full tournament experience she's seen it all now as well she got um 
Um, she got um, Nikita Paris gave her a shirt after one of the matches as well after she told her she was her favourite player and she's absolutely hooked into tournament football live football and everything like that as well she comes to Brentford as well but for me if anyone's got any daughters out there as well I'd really beg you you must go out and just spend some time take them to go and watch England women's football it's brilliant it's great for the girls they've got real role models there that they look up to they're open they're friendly they spend about half an hour after the match talking to fans and signing stuff and giving them stuff after the match honestly it's brilliant there's a game in November against Germany just go and get tickets they're about a quid for, for, for children 10 quid for adults just go there and do it it's absolutely brilliant but I'm not going to come off that as well so as you can tell I'm a little bit footballed out at the moment now um, and I'm, but all of a sudden Brentford bim it's clicked and I've got myself excited because I think I'm excited by the change. I haven't felt this much excitement since the season that we actually decided to put some money in to go up to the championship. After we got the penalty miss and I think we decided let's go for it and all of a sudden you just felt that there was a change in gear and that's the excitement that I'm feeling at the moment now which hopefully is not going to be uh, out of kilter. But anyway, which is all good. Listen, I've got to talk about a couple of other things as well. There's a new T-shirt range from Brentford, Besotted. Um, there's a few effing Brentford, as we call it. If you know the jokes about that, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But obviously the, the Leeds fans actually instigated a, a T-shirt range because they weren't very happy about us buying one of their players, Pontus Janssen, which we'll buy later. So Besotted.com, check, check that out as well. We've also got some Brent Fjord T-shirts as well, based on the fact that we've got a load of Scandinavian signings. It's a little bit of a joke, everyone out there, but you know some people quite like that vibe so we got that as well and also we've got some old school Brentford if you remember the Lonsdale design as well as well those have been very popular so go and check them out a whole new shirts for the new season make yourself look very 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 smart you know besotted.com and just one final thing I was going to say to you as well Patreon we are actually looking at doing a little Patreon if you don't know that and that's just because it's all been getting a little bit hardcore for us trying to get out there doing the radio show trying to pay for photographs trying to pay for you know all these things that we do the website you know maintenance you know, oh, there's all sorts of stuff going on so we're just going to offer you know the opportunity for fans to come out there and help us and work together with us um, hopefully by the time this podcast out if you check out besotted.com the information will be up there but you know like I said to you there's no pressure at all we'll be doing our things anyway but if you want to get involved if you want to work together with us you know there's a few little rewards we're looking out there for just working together with people maybe Maybe some t-shirts maybe some badges maybe some other opportunities for you to come out there as well if you want to get involved and help us to continue the work that we're doing from week to week like we said but like i said absolutely no pressure at all so anyway listen let's get on to the business here because we've been chatting a very very long intro now but that's because we've had so much to talk about we're going to talk about what's been happening on the pitch we've had a few pre-season friendlies that have happened recently and we want to talk about what's been happening with our players on the pitch so the season starts, pre-season friendlies are well and truly in effect. And Brentford have so far played a couple of friendlies. And the guys around the table there have seen both of them as well. So we've got an idea of how our old players have been doing and also how our new players have fitted in. The first one, AFC Wimbledon. We played them last Friday. Went down to AFC Wimbledon 3-0 to Brentford. It was definitely a game of two halves. It was even a game of two teams, as they say, but it was a good 3-0 win. Tom, you enjoyed this game, didn't you? Yeah, I went along. I thought um, I, I was I was working locally at the time, so I thought I'd pop along. I genuinely really, really enjoyed it. I thought we put in a really good show for ourselves. Uh, and for me, what I think was the most positive thing was the uh, uh, the B team players that were coming through. I thought they looked really, really strong. I think you know we can obviously talk about some of our new signings that seem to fit into the team nicely. But actually, it was really encouraging to see some faces, some that I'd almost forgotten, with Field and Clark as well. 
Um, nice to see them come back out as well. And I thought, actually, we have a really good show. And I think, actually, the scoreline probably doesn't reflect how well we could have won it by the performance in the second half. I mean, I was going to say, it definitely was a game of two hours. The first half wasn't that great. I mean, saying that, though, it was very, very tight. Um, or we were trying to create a couple of opportunities. We had one particular team that's out there as well. We had Sawyers inside there. It's in the midfield. We had um, Shaibu, who there's up front. At the moment now, as you know, and we'll talk about this later, obviously there's no Malpay in the team because he's being rested, as it is, like, you know, rested. So uh, because he was resting, we had Shaibu up front as well. And uh, we had, uh, I think, Candice Carroll. I think he played in the first half as well. You know, a few players that were out there in, in that team. Um, which, which was all right, but it didn't seem to be quite clicking. It didn't seem to have quite have the tempo. We didn't seem to put the quite passing together, and we couldn't get the passes up to, um, well, up to up, up to up to Shibu up front. And he wasn't. They weren't making the opportunities that you would have thought that they would have done against a team like AFC. No, I thought actually, I think one of the market differences was in the first half. I thought we struggled to get the ball out wide well. We were trying to play, you know, particularly Sawyer's loves that lovely over the top ball out to the to the to, to the wings. And just wasn't able to connect it in the first half. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just that first game. I mean, it was the first pre-season kind of minutes that we had under our belt. Um, and we really struggled with that in the first half. But I think second half just started to click a little bit more. I think a little bit of fatigue set in at the start from them, second half, because they stuck with their team for about 60 minutes, AFC Wimbledon. Uh, and then we were able to start to build on that. And I think by the time the substitutions came in, we saw a couple of good faces there, a couple of pros. And I got to say, I think for me, I think Marcus Force really changed that game. I think he came on and he really made a difference and looked look very solid so even if Mark Morpay is being arrested we might look at what he's got to offer us because I think he could be crucial to our season if we uh, don't bring too many new faces in. Savvy B I mean I know you saw that game as well and you were actually quite excited you saw it from a different view so you saw things quite close up anyone who impressed you in that match? Yeah there was I, I, to, to be fair I only saw the second half but um, you I saw I, the best half yes indeed I think I think what uh, what happened and correct me if I'm wrong Tom but um, we we uh, we went. We started five of the uh, three of the back, and in the second half it was uh, four at the back. And what uh, the person who impressed me was that the person in front of that four was Norgard. I thought he was magnificent. I mean, every ball was cutting through straight to the the, the forward um, mid- midfielders. Just bang, 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 bang. Straight balls, just just down the pitch, tick ticking ticking all the time with other players just really 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 good I, I was really impressed with him and I actually saw uh, today's game as well against Kiev and he came on in the second half and it, it was quite difficult the, the camera was quite low and it was quite difficult to see what was going on but there was one player uh, at the, the back of the uh, midfield unit and I, I couldn't tell if it was him I think it was but uh, he just looked really really good seemed to be getting the ball every time sensible balls kept everything ticking 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 also uh, very good at uh, defending when the players were running at him he was, he was quite good at, uh, at sort of cutting things out so I was very impressed with Norgar both games and, and talking about the you know and talking about the you know the, the, the match as well because obviously Norgard scored a goal as well which is good it's nice to get a defender to get a goal as well what I thought was quite interesting about that game is I thought <laughs> Ethan Pinnock's quite he's quite big <laughs> and he can head a ball you know which I thought was uh, very encouraging for a start um, I also thought obviously the second half we were we just took it up another level you know uh, Rico Henry you know absolutely brilliant all of a sudden he had some speed and Ollie Watkins looked like he, he was a man possessed you know he was absolutely potty for it you know every time he got the ball the two goals that he scored were absolutely brilliant you know I thought he was absolutely fantastic and like I said Norgard in that second half he was really 
really great. Um, I thought also Justice Silver. There's something about Justice Silver which I'm, I'm actually really, really quite liking about Justice Silver. He's quite big, he's quite strong. Um, from last year, when he wasn't in the side, and everyone was saying that he should get into the side. The feedback that we were getting back is that you know he had to work on his defensive game. Thomas Frank is really, really big about players working on the defensive game, and I think that may be the reason why some of the players who we think that maybe should be graduating from the B team uh, haven't graduated because maybe they haven't worked as hard on their defensive game um, as they should do. But Shaibu in December, um, apparently his, his defensive game wasn't really there, but you could see that he was actually, you know, proposing a threat as a midfielder he had his as a presence but also he's willing to come back and defend which I think is, is, is quite a good thing as well but um, for that AFC Wimbledon game I went there um, I was you know fortunate for me and my daughter we got invited by the um, the directors of AFC Wimbledon to come down there and just chill out so for me I just thought okay I'll just come out and see what's going to happen but it's very early days and I don't expect anything normally the very first game that Brentford play which is normally boring wood is normally a kind of little bit kind of so-so whatever but actually I was quite excited and quite you know, that excited me, the fact that we actually stepped it up in that second half and we looked like we were a team that wants to do a little bit of damage this season, which was good. And then the Dynamo Kiev game, which was on today, we were recording, like I said, on a Saturday. So we uh, we checked the game out this morning and then we came down to do the podcast. And again, this was um, uh, an interesting game. It wasn't the best game overall, but I suppose from the coach's point of view, from a technical point of view, they would have already said they were very pleased with certain elements. They were probably obviously very pleased with the defending they're probably very pleased that in general that Brentford didn't give the ball away nearly as many times as Dynamo Kiev did you know particularly in the first half they were just like here you go Brentford you get the ball back again like you know um, and also like I said to you that we were able to, to, to hold our own against a side which was uh, obviously a very good a very good side and in principle, if you really want to look at things as well, we should have beaten them because we got a penalty. You know, uh, Watkins got penalty, brought, brought down in the area, clear penalty. Marcondes came out and took possibly one of the worst penalties you're going to ever see in quite a long time. So hopefully he's got that out of his system and we can actually score some penalties now because it was really rubbish penalty. And we ended up drawing the game nil um, but it was a good, good little workout for the whole team, wasn't it, Savvy B? It, it was a good workout, and I think uh, it was quite interesting seeing the, the setup up front, uh, especially you know the first half, uh, 60 minutes, whatever it was, uh, where you had Mark Condes uh, up front with um, Canos and Watkins out wide, and it didn't work for me. Um, I think whenever I've seen Mark Condes put in a good performance with Brentford, he's always been a more creative, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, he needs the ball a lot in the game and he can create some really really good stuff that's that's the mark on this I'm hoping that we'll see this season uh, I don't want to see him up front on his own again to be honest I mean Flamen the game today today did it excite you? Um, I wouldn't say it excited me particularly but it was it was good to see some of the new faces uh, get a run out and um, and I thought we, we equipped ourselves pretty well against a very uh, obviously a very good Dynamo Kiev side, so uh, so I think that's a that's a real positive. Do you think the Dynamo Kiev ultras were in the stand there, sort of shouting and sort of letting things off? And somebody even said they thought they heard a gunshot. Actually, do you think that scared our players? <laughs> Possibly. I, I thought I heard a gunshot at time at one point, but uh, yeah, that might have put them off a bit. But uh, yeah, mind you, I think I think Mark Condé's penalty probably put put a lot of people off as well. <laughs> it was uh, it was so, so soft, but. Uh, Never mind, hopefully he learns from it and uh, he puts it right for when the uh, the season actually gets going. I mean, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but obviously, I mean, for me, one of the things that was, I think was a real positive out of this game, obviously in the first half, we played Raya um, in goal. So I think this is his first game that he played for us, so he played in goal and in front of him in the first half in particular, he had Henry, um, he had Pinnock, he had Hans, yeah, um, he had uh, Jansen, Ratchic. 
Okay, so we've got this and we um, and Dalsgaard as well. So there we are, five at the back, and that's how we play in the first half. And I personally thought we looked very solid in the first half. I didn't think that Dynamo Kiev had any chance of getting through at all. We dealt with it really well. We were playing the ball and passing the ball around a little bit. If anything, Raya, I think that he probably needs to uh, have a little bit more practice in our uh, the way that we actually get the ball out. You know, because he looked to struggle a little bit like that. You know, he played the ball a couple of times to one of their players, which didn't come to something, and also played a, a couple of hospital balls to a couple of our players as well, which was a little bit like, oh, no. But um, obviously, this is what we need to work at in training. You know, Raya, you know, a lot of people were saying, mm, is he worth the money? Um, he's not really great. But at the end of the day, is that if he was brilliant, he wouldn't be coming to Brentford. So, you know, this is, this, is, this is positive things that we've got there. But I thought we looked really solid in the middle there as well. Tom. I just want to give a shout out as well because he played in the um, he played in the second half of both games. Patrick Gunnarsson in goal, I thought had two very good performances. I think he looks I think he looks like a real good unit, and he's maybe because of that evolution of coming up from the B team, he's bought into that mentality. He knows what it's all about about getting the ball, getting it out quickly, and using that. And I thought he made a couple of key stops in that game as well. Um, and, and I thought today as well. Okay, a little, a little bit of sloppiness came in, I think, today. But I still thought he's put in two good performances. And for a keeper that may well, in who knows what happens for the rest of the transfer window, could well end up being a, one of our backup goalkeepers. I think he put in a really solid performance and we shouldn't you know, recognise it. This is a, actually quite a key question and a key thing to throw into the pot. Obviously, uh, Dan Bentley, and we said this before, we saw him up at Middlesbrough. He was looked absolutely gutted when he got injured there. But the person who was on the bench was Gunnarsson. It wasn't Daniels at the time, and we did query at the time, saying, why, why isn't Daniels on the bench? He's injured. And at the time, we was like, mm, not, we, we, it was a bit unclear whether or not that's the case or not, because we were questioning why Gunnison, a fourth-in-line keeper, was on the bench instead. He had a great game at Middlesbrough, absolutely brilliant, but obviously Brentford didn't put him in for the rest of the season, which is fine. You know, but now we've come here again, and we're up at, um, in Dynamo Kiev, playing them and we've got Raya who's our new keeper who's, 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 who's number one and Gunnarsson's come on as a sub as he did um, the AFC Wimbledon so there's been a lot of questions being asked of Daniels as to what's happening with Daniels is he ever been on you know because when he first came to Brentford he's like I want Dan Bentley's gloves I'm going to have Dan Bentley's gloves but it doesn't seem that it's going to happen there's rumours about who's going to go to Leeds go to these other places and the question does this mean to, to you that it's all over for Daniels is he out of here it's a really tricky one. I think one thing, I mean, I was talking about this earlier today, actually, it was that we've got a lot of goalkeepers on our books. I don't know why. It's clearly part of our strategy. But when you look at it, we've got a lot of goalkeepers are on our books. We've also got Ellery, uh, Ellery Balcombe as well, who, you know, went out on loan last season, but actually showed some really good promising signs. He's in the England setup as well now. I think we've got a lot of players there that have the potential there. I think the problem with Daniels is that, again, it comes down to maybe that age factor that really when you look at him, he is a little bit older in comparison to our younger goalkeepers there that have offered a lot. Um, And I think, you know, for me, when I look for a backup goalkeeper, I'd look for someone who I think can buy into that buy into the mentality the way in which we play but also then has that potential to grow and to keep developing to, and to be really pushing and I think with Daniels he's put in a really solid performance when Bentley got injured but I think actually maybe Patrick has got that little bit of an edge because he can still continue to grow continue, continue to develop and, and who knows what the potential is you know and I think that's what you need competitive goalkeepers you need someone who's pushing them all the time and I think actually maybe in, in Gunnison there we might have someone who really is pushing Raya Pushing, pushing, pushing and talk about pushing again I'm going to come back to our defence we had one of our new signings, Pontus Janssen, actually made his first appearance for Brentford on the television. 
as well because obviously the Lee's influence, like you know what I'm saying, so they had to have him on TV. <laughs> so we were all sitting there watching on TV going, oh, it was that guy that we've seen on TV about 45 times last season. And he played for us and he played in the first half with um, Ethan Pinnock in defence and again, that defence was solid. I thought he looked solid. You could see he was shouting away, he was joking away. You know, no signs. I, was, I sat down with my daughter and she said to me, he doesn't look like a bad egg to me, Daddy. And I said, well, listen, you know, you know, it depends on who you ask. Like, you know, if you ask a Malmo fan, he's not a bad egg. But if you ask a Leeds fan, he's a bad egg. So uh, but as far as we're concerned, he did the job that he needed to do in the first half. Um, how did you feel the Janssen played? It was absolutely fine. I think the, the whole back three were fine. I think uh, Rakic, Rakic, who I do go on about, but I really think he's superb. And I think he didn't look out of place at all alongside Janssen. And, uh, and Pinnock looked fine too. You know, he's, he's got the height, he's got the strength. They're, they're all ball players. And that's, that's what I enjoy with our, our, our defence, when they can all just play the ball out and they're comfortable. And, you know, long may it continue. That's how we've been playing for the past few years. And that's how we're going to continue to play. And they're, they're all looked really good, I thought. Uh, and I have to admit, obviously, like I said to you, we obviously didn't play again well. Um, Sai Ben Rama is injured, as you know, injured back into the season, and his injury, he hasn't quite got back into the groove as yet. So Sai Ben Rama was never going to play in this match. Um, but Malpe was rested, as we know, because he was rested because of uh, Bastille Day, as it is, you know, because he needed to go for the Bastille Day celebrations. So there is now Malpe. So obviously, like I said to you, we had to rely on uh, different players up front. So um, Ollie Watkins. And also Mark Hondes was up front as well. Ollie Watkins, I thought he did really well. He fought really hard. He actually got the penalty. Um, he had the number nine on his back as well. And Mark Hondes. Now, I'm going to have to say this. I'm going to put my flag on the sand of this. I'll give players the time. The Mark Hondes, I know Thomas Frank loves him. It's, they, they, they love him. They think he's technically brilliant. He scored loads of goals in Denmark. He's come over here under great hype. I'm actually a little bit worried about Mark Hondes. And I know that they keep saying he needs time. But I'm just worried that we might do the same that we did with the, the, the Josh um, McEachern, where brilliant player, absolutely brilliant player. We kept giving him time, but it just never really happened because with McKendis, it's not happening. And he's always there. It's close, but it's no cigar. And I'm just wondering, you know, is it going to happen at some stage? Is he being played in the right position? Should he be playing deeper? But every time we sort of seem to play him, he's kind of all right, but he's just not quite there. And the fact that we're stepping everything up, does this mean that Marcondes is kind of stepping back in the ranks of where he should be in the Brentford setup, Tom? It's a really tricky one. It's a really tricky one because he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to have that final flourish that we need. We need someone who, if he's going to play in that central role, can play the role of an out-and-out striker. And he doesn't seem to have that in him. He doesn't have that that nous for finishing he seems to get himself into dangerous positions but I always feel like those dangerous positions are where he's looking to then lay it off to someone who can then finish it you almost still feel like you need a, a more pie figure on the pitch with him in order to give him that chance but um, I've I got to say though that I thought you know there is some good encouraging signs up there I don't know how he fits into that mould uh, because I don't think he necessarily offers us enough out wide because he doesn't get back enough uh, in those wide positions I don't think he covers the full back enough but it's uh, yeah he's a, he's a tricky one I haven't quite solved it yet he needs a goal uh, Mark, Mark Hondes, uh scored goals um, in Denmark and he will score goals for us if we play him in the right position uh, he's not an out and out striker uh, but neither was uh, Hotter and Hotter would score plenty of goals so I think he's, he's that kind of player he's very creative he will make a lot of goals but also where would you play him where would you play them? 
that, that's 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 the issue. We've 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 got to we've got to work that out. I mean, luckily, I've got Thomas Frank, but he's, he needs a creative. Or either a number ten, or we we do something where he's not an actual winger, but he's kind of just just in a bit. But um, but he, I, I think he's he's a class player. You can see the skill he's got. Sometimes there's some games where he's just he just creates so much stuff. You know, it's just just unbelievable. There was there was a game towards the end of the season. He came off for twenty minutes and created about five fantastic chances. He's 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 a, he's a real talent, and I can see why the club are sticking with him. But every time he seems to get a little run, he gets a little injury, and that doesn't help either. So we, we, he just needs a lucky season. And I said, I'm not knocking him. I know Thomas Frank loves him. He thinks he's an absolutely brilliant player. But I'm just sort of sitting there thinking, maybe sometimes players. I'm not saying we should leave Brentford, but sometimes when it. You know, maybe the setup isn't right, as you say. They go somewhere else and they do absolutely brilliantly. I don't know. Um, the Flamen. I I do share your concerns actually, because um, you know he's been with us a good while and he's he's not quite delivered in the way that we expected him to. He he was a bit of a goal machine, as we know in Denmark, and we thought he was going to come and score sort of 15, 20 goals a season. That's not happened. To be fair to him, last season he missed a good chunk through injury. So I think hopefully this season, if he if he starts fresh and fully fit, then you know this this is this is the time for him to really deliver. Um, I think yeah, between now and and sort of January. He really needs to kick on and uh, and show us what he's about. Um, yeah, and 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 just talking about the just coming final word on this, uh, the Dynamo Kiev game. Some players came on as well. Some faces like you haven't seen before for a while. Like, you know, you had Tom Fields over there. Obviously, Josh Clark. Um, I don't think Josh came on actually as well. And uh, Kenny Carroll. He uh, came on later. Yeah, you had um, Norgard who came on, who was really good. You know, you had Yako Okansen as well, who's uh, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, I saw him again. He played against AFC Wimbledon as well, and he's uh, he's one of these players. Where, you know, because the, the side had changed around a lot, so I think it's also very difficult for Brentford in the second half because he took off a lot of players and put on a lot of players, and it was also very B team heavy in inverted commas. If that makes a lot of sense, so it's going to make it difficult against a side like D- Dynamo Kiev as well. You know, you also had Marcus and Marcus Force who did really well. Ali Coot was there as well. Um, at the shot, the Shibu as well, and uh, I think Colder Silver. I mean, the second was there any player there? Out of those lot, who kind of you thought actually, or the player, you know, it did all right, or any player that you thought, I'll tell you something, it's disappointed me, and I think maybe it might have to be, you know, not his day anymore. Um, I, I mean, you know, the sort of Tom Tom Field's been a bit of an enigma. You know, he's he's gone out on loan and he's come back, and you know, uh, he's got a great backstory. You know, sort of Brentford lad. It'd be fantastic if he made it. Uh, but I mean, at the moment. Uh, we need Tom Field, we need Josh Clark, and we need Cole De Silva because there is nothing else uh, covering those uh, those wing back stroke fullbacks, uh, you know, which is Dow's Garden Henry. We know that you know Henry can can sort of miss half a season quite easily through injury. So so um, I'm hoping. I mean, they didn't they didn't put they didn't they didn't seem you know out of place. You know, they didn't they didn't sort of really put a foot wrong. Uh, I'm just hoping they're good enough to step into those shoes if they need to. And apparently. Uh friend of the podcast Reese Cole was actually playing for Cheltenham as well uh, was it today or very recently in the friendly so I'm not quite sure what's going on there as well Tommy any any thoughts on any these players there yeah I mean I actually thought I'm going to go back to the AFC Wimbledon game I thought when Cole De Silva came on I think he showed the similar signs he's got a very similar stature very similar style of play I think to the way in which Rico Henry plays I think he's got he's got some sort of potential there um, but actually for me I've quite enjoyed watching uh, is it Hammer and uh, and, and Oxanen as well those two players I think when both times where I've seen them play 
they look like they, they really work well together first and foremost which I think is important because it's about partnerships you know it's good that you can have a player that can drop in but if you can get those partnerships going as well that'll make a difference and I thought those two could really offer something I think all of, all of the sort of B team players have, uh, have stepped up a bit already in pre-season so I'm quite excited about them you know continuing to, to press for uh, a first team place I mean uh, Oksana I think he looks a promising player Radcic we saw, we saw in the first team last season briefly so he looks another one who might who might push for a first team place well, actually, uh, this whole thing as well is Ratchets, he's, he's really a, he's, he's a first team player now, isn't he? I think he is. I think he is really. Um, so you know, it's great that these guys are getting minutes in the uh, in the pre season, and uh, and I'm sure we'll see more of them. Can I just say that Oxanen, Hammer, and uh, False, um, I can't tell them apart. They're exactly the same to me. So so if I if I big one up, I might be actually bigging up the wrong one. So yeah, that's that's sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. So listen, we've talked about the matches, we've talked about the players now, we've talked about players who are on the pitch, but now we need to talk about players who are maybe leaving the pitch, players who've come in on the pitch and players who we're not quite sure about. We're going to talk about the transfer talk in and around Griffin Park at the moment now because there's plenty of it. So there we go. We actually talked about, like I said, the pre-season friendlies and we've got a few more matches coming up Saturday away to Wickham Wanderers Brentford. I think it's three o'clock kick off for that. Wednesday the 24th, we're away to Norwich. I'm not sure if that's behind closed doors or what. I'm not sure about that. It sounds closed door to that one. Then 27th, we've got the Muff coming to town. The first time since we beat them. Um, we beat them, uh, was it no, 6-0? It was 3-something or the other, wasn't it? At Griffin Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Warburton years it was as well, where we went there. Uh, I think it was the, the match after, after, after the, um, the Watford game. Yeah. Yeah, after Warburton Gate, and we uh, we played them. It's the first time there. They got the older. What if this is part of the Chris Meppham deal that he said, you know, we'll sell you Chris Meppham. You give us lots of money. You come down to Griffin to Griffin Park. So there they go. So anyway, check those three out. There should be three very good matches, and then it's the first game of the season. Birmingham City, or should I say, managerless Birmingham City, who are also potless because I don't think they can sign any players yet, can they? Because they've all sorts of FFP nonsense going on. So that should be very very interesting. But we need to talk about transfer talk. There's all sorts of nonsense going on at the moment now. Players leaving, players coming and players... We're not quite sure what's going on. Well, we're going to talk about what we do know about the players that have left Griffin Park at the moment now. So, first one we'll talk about. Let's talk about the latest first. Concert, Esri Concert. Been at Griffin Park exactly a year. We signed him for about £2 million from Charlton. And we've sold him to Aston Villa, Dean Smith. We thought Dean Smith was going to come in for Malpay. We thought he was going to come for Ben Rama. He's all the players, you know, Watkins, the players that he loves. But no, he did a bit of a curveballer and he got the Konza and swept him from underneath us. This was, I thought, was an interesting move. £12 million pounds plus add-ons as well. Uh, a lot of people are saying, are oh, there add-ons if there's a release cause? The release cause was £12 million, pounds, but still, you still can get the add-ons because this is all negotiated at the time when you actually put the release clause in there. So, yes, we'll have the add-ons from there. So if he gets sold for £40 million later on, we'll get more money. So it looks like a good deal for us. But also, the other thing, which is the best part of the deal, is Charlton, who are owned by Duchelet, who is obviously not very popular with the Charlton fans at the moment now. He thought he's going to do a very good deal by asking us to pay the money up front. Because we paid the money up front, there was no sell-on clause for Charlton. So Duchelet's still there, and he doesn't get any of that £12 million. So good business done by Brentford. We've got a player who came in, we've made £10 million in a year, and we're going to use that money, no doubt, to probably buy a striker. But we'll come on to that a little bit later. Savvy B, 
What about this deal? Yeah, uh, well, my Charlton mate is absolutely livid. He's just sent me tons and tons of abuse in the past week. And, uh, but basically, he's, he's just hurting because uh, he knew at the time. He said, when, when, when we bought him, he said, uh, we should have got five million minimum for him. And, uh, but he explained, he actually knew that you know, we, we, we gave two and a half million or whatever it was uh, up front. Dushley just wanted the money. He thought he was going to sell the club. He, he fully expected to sell the club within a few months, and uh, so he didn't bother, uh, you know, trying to trying to get a sell on uh, part of, as part of the deal. So all he wanted was a few quick bucks, and uh, and then he thought he'd be off. Um, so it's all backfired for them, which is uh, quite humorous for us, of course. But as you say, a 10, 10 million uh, deal is great, and I actually think um, if you, if you actually look at the season he had, he's, he's a decent player, no doubt. Um, I'm not sure he's worth 12 million. I think that a lot of that 12 million is potential. Um, I think he struggled a lot when we were played a, a back four, and he was the main beneficiary when we went to five uh, or three, as Matt Allard would call it. And uh, I think so he benefited from that. Um, but he's still a decent player, got a lot of potential. But I don't actually mind him going that much because I think we've got his replacement already. We've got Ratchet, and I think uh, what I really like uh, about Brentford and the way we do it is that we will get top dollar for for players but we also now have learnt after messing up with Mawson that we can actually uh, op- open a gateway a pathway for the younger B team players to get through and I think I think Rakicic is that natural natural replacement for Konsa anyway and he costs us nothing This is interesting as well this caused probably the least ripples out of all the transfers that we've had so far when uh, Konsa went um, it was a little bit of a bit of a shrug of the shoulders by a lot of people, and it's not by saying that he's a bad player because obviously he's a good player, a player with lots of potential. But I think, and this is what I'm saying, this is a bit of a line in the sand moment this season. I said to you, the most exciting season since we went up from Division One when we invested that time, and the reason why is for me, I've been saying this, we've been saying this for a while. I think on this podcast we've been saying it to even the people at the club, just asking questions about, you know. We've said in the podcast that we felt that we are a particular type of side. We're almost a little bit purist in the players that we were buying the whole time. We were buying a particular type of Brentford player the whole time that plays football, who's a really nice person and, you know, and, and, and they read books at night and all that kind of stuff, which is no problem with that altogether. But everyone was quite similar in the way that we did it. Everyone was very young. You know, if they were any good, two years later, we'd sell them. We would never buy an older player because we didn't feel there's a resale player. But all of a sudden now, we've changed the mode of what we're doing because they realise that we need to, they probably realise all the time, we need to get a more experienced player in, play alongside the players like we did with um, Bielend and uh, Chris Meppham, you know what I'm saying? But also Brentford always said they were going to do that at a time when it was right, when the money was right and the player was right. We'll come on to that when we were actually going to buy a player in a minute now. So with this, with Consa, I don't think Brentford are saying he's a bad player, but what they're doing, they're sitting there and someone's come in, offered us 12 million straight away, plus the add-ons, at a time that, to be honest with you, we need a particular type of player, maybe a slightly more experienced player in his in his, in his fold. And Conser at the moment now is probably fourth in what? Fourth line, fourth in nine. And they're thinking, you've got a fourth in nine player at 12 million. At the end of the day, they'll always find another player like Conser. They'll get the money and they'll buy another Conser in a year or two's time. So to let him go and buy another three players for them, I think it was a bit of a no-brainer. So we'll move on from the Conser. Bentley. Dan Bentley as well. I think the writing was on the cards from the back end of the season. Like I said to you, we spoke to him at, um, 
at Middlesbrough at the station and I, and I said to you I saw it in his eyes it just felt like he felt that that was the last game for him that season that well, last game of the season for him and also the last game for Brentford for him I just you know looking back at that now and even at the time he was just thinking you know we had what, five or six games to go before the end of the season and he was obviously thinking what's my next move going to be his agent was obviously looking at what his next move is going to be he hadn't got the best season at Brentford but he's still a goal, good goalkeeper it felt the time that we felt it's time for you to move on and he felt it's time for him to move on and a team's come in Bristol City who are like Brentford are going for it as they say they've spent a large more money in their first you know month of the window than they did the whole of last year again Bristol City they spent a ridiculous amounts of money and they've bought Bentley and I'll just say to him all we can say is you know good luck to him at Bristol City unless it's against us but other than that you know good luck to him because he's a he's a good good guy and a good keeper yeah I I think Bentley's real strength was his distribution. I think it was magnificent, best I've ever seen at Brentford. Uh, he could throw the ball out to the halfway line on, on somebody's toe. You know, he, he, his distribution was superb. Um, I hope we don't miss it. I hope Ray is the similar type of player. Uh, but um, yeah, good luck to Bentley. I think it's, it's good business for us, to be honest. Where, you know, wherever it was, sort of two and a half, three, four million, or whatever, it works out with add-ons. Uh, yeah, good good business business for us because he, he did lose a bit of confidence, but uh, I'll always remember him for his, his distribution and saving with his head. <laughs> he did save with his head as well, and uh, Bristol City fans are listening here at the moment now. If he does save with his head, or if he saves with his private parts as well, then that obviously that's going to be part of the Bentley DNA, which means that he does it everywhere, just not at Griffin Park. The Flamen. I thought when Bentley first arrived, his first season was was very very good, and and actually a lot of people were starting to talk about him being a future England goalkeeper. Then um, I think unfortunately last season he didn't really kick on in the way that we we all hoped and expected, and you know he did cost us a few points at the end of the day. Um, so I guess at, at that point there was a bit of doubt uh, from the directors of football, etc., and and we decided to look elsewhere. So as uh, as Sav said, I think good bit of business for us and, and we've obviously got a replacement now so uh, yeah onwards and upwards in that sense I mean if you look besotted.com as well there's an article in there where we got the, the views of a lot of besotted contributors to see what their pros and cons of Bentley their plus moments their negative moments their, their fond moments of Bentley so if you're going to check that out besotted.com uh, and like you said to you know he's, he's gone out there we've got the money but also the other thing you've got to remember about Bentley as well is and I said to you, great guy, lovely bloke. You know, spoke to him quite a few times. Always went out, you know, with the fans. He had a really good rapport, but he had one year left on his contract. He we've, we've signed a younger player than he has, who technically has got a little while to go that he can develop as well. And uh, we can actually probably get more money from him down the line if we were to have to sell this new player as well. So what you've done, worst case scenario, is swapped Bentley for a younger Bentley <laughs> for similar money. Um, on a four-year contract so you know it's, if you look at that worst case scenario it's not bad business done at all no and I think I think you know as, as I said from from experience of the friendlies as well I think we've got depth in that position I think actually goalkeeper is probably one of those areas I feel most confident as in us in uh, and I think uh, I think it's a good move for every all parties I think as you say I think it was pretty clear really from our perspective that he had reached a point in his Brentford career where he was ready to move on do you think, though, do you think that the defence, because our defence last season was not where it should have been, do you think our defence suffered and we were let, even letting more goals because Bentley wasn't as confident as you expected him to be? I mean, absolutely. I think I think it was pretty fair to say that I think, you know, pretty unanimously across fans, we always had a bit of a, a groan and a fear every time a ball came in over the top that we'd go, oh, God, here we go again. Um, uh, but I think, I, think the, I think the thing with him is that he... 
he still does want to learn. I think he always showed he had that attitude in training as well. I think Inyaki Kanya as well as the uh, the goalkeeping coach there has got a real kind of eye for looking at trying to develop goalkeepers because I think he sees a lot of potential in them. And I, and I think for Bentley, he just reached that point where he just felt like he wanted a, a, a change of scenery. And I think that happens in anyone. And I don't think necessarily, though, the, the defence will suffer anything from bringing in a new goalkeeper. And I think we've seen that already that it doesn't suffer by the fact there's a change of person behind them between the six. And there was, an, again, unconfirmed, I have to say this, very much unconfirmed rumours going around that Kenya, who's the goalkeeping coach, Spanish goalkeeping coach, um, necessarily didn't, you know, him and Bentley weren't quite working the same together, um, you know, in the same which may have, you know, forced Bentley to maybe look in elsewhere. But also the other thing is I think that maybe there's no coincidence the fact that Raya and uh, Kenya as well are both Spanish as well and maybe there's a bond there where I think Kenya obviously, you know, he's going to put his two pence worth in and if he thinks Raya is someone he can work with and he rates, he's going to put that in for the scouting team for them to go and buy him. So maybe there's a little bit of a bonus there. We'll talk about that in a little bit, you know, just say about um, about Kenya and, 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 and the goalkeeping situation there as well. But Bentley, lovely bloke. We wish him luck against us, as we say as well. But coming on to another player as well, which is interesting. We're talking about the defence player who's been at Brentford for a while as well, Yoen Barbe. Abs- I'll tell you something, this geezer is a proper, proper geezer. He's a lovely, lovely, he's such a nice bloke, a really good bloke, talks to anybody, talks to all the kids. He gets involved, he's a, he's a leader, I think he's a really fantastic bloke. And uh, he, he's been at Brentford, he basically just shuts up and just does what he's told. Play in centre of play on the right, do whatever you have to do. He just did it. He didn't like playing at left back, but he played at left back. He just, you know, I'm sorry you're in the team, you're not in this team this time. He just shut up and he got on with it. He's such a nice bloke. But at the end of the day, Brentford and Barbe, you know, it wasn't to happen. His contract ruined out because he didn't renew his contract and he's now moved to QPR. It's unfortunate he's moved there because he's got a load of abuse from Bees fans because of it. He's a really nice bloke. Personally, I wish him no. Um, bad will at all because he is such a, a nice geezer I wish he, he did go somewhere else but we could say this now we've mentioned it before as well it's interesting because Barbe there was more grief about Barbe moving than there was about Konza I mean everyone was kicking off going I can't believe it but the fact is that and we we did talk about this quite a lot where he's saying that Barbe really great bloke but defensively especially if you put him in centre defence He's a bit off sometimes. He, he, he doesn't quite get it right. He made these fantastic saving tackles. But after the reason why he made the saving tackles is because he was out of position in the first place. You know, and one time I mentioned it as well. And then everyone on our little WhatsApp ring watched a game. I can't remember what it was, a home game as well. And they noticed there was about two or three times they think he was responsible for one or two goals. Made a couple of really kind of last-ditch brilliant tackles. But they were just like he was out of position. So, look at it. It's kind of like I think Brentford had got to the stage where they were thinking... We're stepping up a level now. Barbe is all good, but he's never going to be our number one centre-back, and that's a fact. I think we, we actually found a position for him. His perfect position was uh, on the left side of a, of a back three. Uh, that's where he looked his best for Brentford. As you say, his positioning was often out, um, you know, in order to do the sliding tackles to, to sort of save it. Um, uh, he was always uh, limited. He was always a fantastic, fantastic presence bloke. Um, you know in the dressing room whatever you know in the community it was fantastic um, so you know as you say no no, no ill will to, to him um, but why the hell did he go to QPR I mean <laughs> you know it's that, that that's, that's what uh, you know that's what winds me up why go to QPR I mean to be honest if he was still in contract I don't know how much we'd, we'd get for him anyway because um, I, I think 
for where, where we're going, he was limited. He would have been uh, down the peck and order anyway. So, uh, but yeah, good, good luck to him. But yeah, not QPR. Flamin. Yeah, I'm real shame that we uh, we lost Barbe. I thought I thought he was great to watch. I, I particularly liked it when he ventured forward. He like he likes uh, to go on the old Maisie run forward a bit, a bit like Herman Haradison used to do in the uh, Ron Nodes era. Um, I thought. You know, he was he was a good egg all round, and like you say, he would he would slot in wherever he was told to play, and he'd do a job. I mean, he, like you say, he wasn't always wasn't always fantastic. He was prone to the odd mistake, but I really love watching him, and um, and it's a real shame, especially that he's ended up at QPR. But there you go, um, that's where we're at. Moses Udabaju, another player, came back to us last season. He was injured when he went to Hull City, um, had a, a terrible time, terrible injury, came back to Brentford, trained for us a little bit. Brentford thought, actually, we see something there, gave him a contract. He stuck himself right in, made himself a regular in the first team, and he just got involved. And again, he was really enthusiastic. Got, you know, he got involved at the end of the day. Brentford didn't offer an extension on his contract, probably for a number of reasons, even though he's a good player. Maybe it's an idea that we were trying to step it up, or maybe we thought we've done enough to give Odebarger enough currency to go out there and get himself a two or three year deal somewhere else. Maybe I mean I, that that to me seems a little bit more of uh, the situation where Brentford done a bit, little bit of manners. He's done what he needed to do for us for a season, and then afterwards he can go off because we didn't feel that we could offer him something in the long term, particularly with his with his injury record. I think it is. But Moses, sad to see him go, but um, top player, isn't he? Very top player. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think we're a charity. I don't think what you're saying is is right. To be honest, um, I think there must be another reason why we let him go. Because um, you talk about manners, but uh, we we paid his wages for a year, and he did a job for us. And I think he's the one player out of all those that have gone that we're going to miss. Because um, I think we need we need that backup. We need that absolute top quality backup uh, to either right back or left back. And he, he, for me, he was a man. So the reason, I mean, maybe he didn't want to sign a contract on the kind of money that we were willing to offer. Uh, I get that. You know, he might think that he's worth a lot more and maybe he is. And I'm sure he's got a great deal at Wednesday. But I don't think it's because we didn't want him. I think it's other reasons. Um, but a great player for us. Uh, love the man as well. Uh, yeah, really, really impressed with his work for, for us. For, for both those years that he was with us. And uh, good luck to him. I, I genuinely like the bloke. Okay, talking about Sheffield Wednesday, and this is the team again. We go into this is a different podcast that we talk about where we talked about last season where Derby County, who spent three trillion pounds in trying to get up, obviously they didn't go up, but they end up selling their stadium to their owner, as you do, to try and get around FFP. So they ended up making a profit last season, even though they sold their stadium for an arbitrary figure, which is just it just takes the pee out of clubs like us who actually try to do it properly and end up having to sell players to try and make ourselves uh, sustainable. But these these clubs keep on going, spending loads of money, and then just sell their assets. Okay, they can only sell it once, but still, what's that all about? It didn't work for Derby County, so did it? Uh, well, we've got two stadiums. Can we sell one? <laughs> yeah, well, I think you know, it doesn't quite work like that for us, anyway. So anyway, so another club that's done exactly the same thing is Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, I was chatting to a few of my well, it's actually it's probably a Sheffield United charm actually, an ITK Sheffield United who's telling me all all the shenanigans that's going down in Sheffield Wednesday. I don't think I could talk about it too much because Chancery's lawyers might be listening. But like, let's just say that there's um, there's all sorts of shell companies which are which are flying around and are are sponsoring and putting money into Sheffield Wednesday at the moment now. And if you just look at exactly who they're owned by, it starts to make a list 
little bit of sense. Um, that Sheffield Wednesday are just spending, spending, spending. They spend, 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 spend loads of money, and all of a sudden they sold their stadium to themselves again. So their stadium is owned by somebody who is seems to be somewhere we're not quite sure where but they've sold their stadium to someone but the rumours are it might be owned by someone maybe allegedly uh, linked to the club it's a bit of a weird one there again so they've done that so they're in all sorts of trouble and I think they're in transfer embargo land and all sorts aren't they as well well I think they are or maybe they're not maybe I've got it wrong there's too many teams that are but anyway Josh McEachern was another player who was training with Wednesday. It's got a bit quiet on that front at the moment now, but Josh McEachern was up there training with him. We had a few Wednesday fans who asked us what he was like. You know, would he be any good for them? But Josh McEachern is another player who has left. And um, well, I mean, any last words on Josh? I mean, I, I'll, I'll kind of admit at this point I was kind of still part of the McEachern crew. I, I really thought that he had some real talent, um, and and I just found that he just struggled to find that momentum. But you know, I, I think even if I, I think Championship is definitely his level, I, I think it, he would comfortably fit into most teams in there. But what he needs is he needs to run a form and he needs to be able to stay fit for a long time. And unfortunately, with the midfield challenges we had, we couldn't offer that to him. I mean, again, he needs to stay fit. I think he needs to probably stay play with a central midfielder who is actually doing the defending job. Because uh, if you if you were counting on him to try and defend, this is you got absolutely no chance at all but other people are also saying that maybe Mkeker needs to go back to Holland whereas a place where he played where the game is slower it's a bit more technical and maybe he'll have a little bit more time to do what he does yeah I think you've identified his two weaknesses strength and speed I think that's that's where he's lacking in terms of uh, um, ball playing ability absolutely fantastic like Tom I loved watching him play really really did love him he's uh you know, he's, he's a good player, but he needs to play either in the right division or uh, with the right players around him to, to you know, to allow him to play. Um, yeah, absolutely agree with that. I think he in, in the, the team that was around him last season and season before, he was a bit too lightweight. He just got mu- out muscled far too easily, and he just never got the chance to shine. And, and obviously, he was he was on the treatment table half the time as well. So, yeah. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out for him at Bees. But, you know, he's, he's still got a future somewhere. Maybe not in the Championship. It might have to be abroad or, or possibly League One. So, and a couple of more players we want to talk about. A couple of more other players that were released. One player that we released who has been uh, signed by Wigan, Lewis McLeod as well, who was probably a little bit of an enigma because, I mean, if you speak, there's uh, Three Amigos, which is the Wigan blog as well, which I've done quite a few bits for. From back in the, the, the Uwe Rosler days, they asked me to write a piece on that and the foreshore. You know, quite a few pieces, and they've asked me to write a piece on McLeod. And I thought, actually, this is quite hard because I said, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't really know because he's played so few. He's been at Brentford for ages, but he's played so little. And every time he played, then he just comes out the side again. So I kind of gave them some words, and that's basically it, really, isn't it? He, like, he looked like quite a good player, but you, you just don't really know, do you? Well, four and a half years he was at Brentford. Four and a half years, and <laughs> how many games has he played? How many minutes has he played? It's you know, I I I can fully understand why you don't know what to say, you know, because I don't know what he is. I don't know what kind of player he is. I mean, I've I've probably seen every minute he's played, but I've got no idea what kind of a player he is. I mean, yeah, I mean to to be to be less silly, he's he's actually looks like he he can play, and he's you know he's, he's well, at the beginning of the season we played Rotherham and we played that and that month that we had which we looked unstoppable. He looked good in that side, didn't he? I th- I think there's a there's a touch of the McEachern's about him, very skillful, uh, but there is certain things lacking in his play that uh, doesn't allow him to to work for Brentford. 
players. And last player as well, we say, is Jack Bonham as well. Again, he's been at the club for quite a while. Didn't realise, we always thought of him as being the little pup, like 18, 19. But somebody said to me he's about 26 or something like that. So it's, uh, so it's about time he got a move. So he's actually had a great season at Bristol Rovers. He's been signed to Gillingham on, on, a, on a free, so he's there as well. So that's, that's, the, that's the bulk of the players that, that we know that has gone out there. And they've moved from Brentford as well. So we wish them all luck, except course if they play against us or, or, or any team that you know that we <laughs> you want them to, to help us anything like that but good luck to all those players out there you play for Brentford so we, look, we respect you for playing for us but at the end of the day we all need to move on and get on with our careers and with our lives so which is all good but now we're going to talk about new signings because this is where it gets all a little bit exciting so players have left Brentford listen we wish them well but exciting times as well because we've got some new signings new signings on the horizon but new signings already in the camp and we've got to say probably the biggest signing that we've got the one that's made the most noise absolutely humongous noise all over the place listen you know you don't there's not too many times that you actually get Brentford trending on Twitter you know I'm saying you get the national press you know everyone's talking about us but Pontus Janssen decided to jump ship from Leeds United and join Brentford. I know the Leeds fans that are listening here would actually say he didn't jump ship. You say that he's pushed. Listen, we'll take it all with a pinch of salt. We don't mind, whichever way you want to look at it. But Pontus Janssen has left the Leeds ship to join Brentford at the moment now. And that was massive news. Not only was it massive news because he left Leeds, but it's because there's a change and shift in the, 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 the thoughts of Brentford where they thought, tell you something, Let's buy a name brand. We don't normally buy name brands. Somebody who people know, big name brand, who normally costs a lot of money. Normally we're paying a million, million and a half, two million for somebody. But reputed anywhere between four and five and a half million for Pontus Janssen coming to Brentford on whatever wages that he may be at a 28-year-old. We don't normally buy 28-year-olds. They're only 21, 20, 22 because we're on a resale. Not saying he hasn't got a resale, but all the thinking was different because for Brentford, we believe they're thinking actually... This player we think is going to take us to another level if we're actually thinking of getting promotion to the Premier League. So that was a massive, massive moment. <laughs> I mean, do you remember when the Pontus Janssen... I mean, it was all very quick. It came in, and I remember it came into the WhatsApp ring, Pontus Janssen, and it was like, that was a load of bollocks, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we normally say, oh, yeah, it's just clickbait. And because, uh, you know, we, we have, you know, the, the ring is just like full of people just saying, oh, I've heard this rumour, I've heard that rumour. And we just say, oh, no, rubbish. And it was a bit of a surprise. But uh, it's getting noisy around here. Oh, yeah. But what uh, what I I found interesting. I mean, I don't subscribe to Sky Leeds, but uh, I did see um, I did see us play Leeds twice last season, and I thought he was the player that stood out for me. I mean, I don't know if he's just because he's a character and the way he acts on the pitch, but he actually did genuinely stand out. You do notice Pontus Janssen. And he he looked good. He looked passionate. You know, he looked great. And when we when it was like you know, we were told we was in for him. I thought, bloody hell, no, surely not. But the the whole idea about getting this experienced twenty eight year old centre back, it's not something we haven't done before. Uh, we did get Bjellendin, who was I think it might be twenty seven at the time, but you know he was our uh, top buy that year. Um, probably you know. Up, up until that point, our biggest ever buy. So we've we've done it before, and it's probably at a time when you think, okay, this is the time. You know, maybe every every three years or something. It seems to be at the moment that every three years we seem to say, okay, let's have a little go. And um, yeah, so so for me, it's not a, a weird deal. It's surprising, 
but it's, it's not weird and it seems to fit into what we do. We know we need an experienced player when you've got lots of youngsters around you. If you want to bring in someone like Ratchic, uh, you need uh, Janssen next to him. And I think this, this is brilliant, brilliant work by Brentford. And again, it's all about timing and, uh, you know, getting him at the right time. Maybe get him in last year wasn't the right time because we weren't ready. You know, get him in next year, maybe not the right time. This is the right time for a player like him. We will see. We don't know. You know, you've got to make them moves. But um, like I said to you, um, <laughs> getting Ranson, um, Jansen in, it's been instrumental in the, the phrase, you know, effing Brentford, as they say. Um, beforehand, it used to be teams like Brentford. Team players used to say, go out and say, I can't believe we've been beaten by teams like Brentford. I can't believe our player has gone to join a team like like Brentford but now Leeds have just cut through the chase they forgot about the teams like Brentford and it's just like I cannot believe Janssen has gone to effing Brentford as it is I can't believe you know you know he's left us to, you know, and that's what it's all about so like I said to you t-shirtsbesotted.com we thought we might as well make the most of the moment and people seem to be very happy with them so uh, effing Brentford t-shirts are available for sale on besotted.com so just go and check it out but Pontus Janssen did you believe that this guy who scored the goal against us as well last season when we should have actually beaten Leeds up there, but he did the business and they're all singing the song about his magic hat. Can you believe he's bringing his magic hat to Griffin Park? Uh, to be honest, I can't. And, if, uh, you know, my dad, I remember I sent him it as soon as the, the kind of stories came out. What, his magic hat? No, no. <laughs> oh, I talk about that. That's it. That's it. But he, uh, genuinely, my, my dad absolutely despised him saw him looked at him and thought he's not the kind of footballer I'd ever want at Brentford um, and I think it will take him a little while to kind of buy into it I think realistically because he is a, he's one of those figures you know he is the, the problem with him is what like Neil Malpe you mean yeah, well, perhaps that's it you, you're kind of loving him if he's on your side you love him if he's not on your side you hate him and I think that's it my friend uh, I've got another friend who's a Villa fan and he said exactly the same thing he said in Janssen you've got someone that you will either he's a Marmite figure but one thing I will say is that today, when I was watching the friendlies, I turned off the um, the commentary. The Russian commentary, yeah? Yes. Finally managed to find a version that didn't have it, so I could actually just listen to the game. And if you listen to the com- uh, listen to the sound of the pitch, for that first 45 minutes, all you heard was him. He was there at the back, commanding, leading, and that was it. You know, you, you, I mean, actually, Billy, you talked earlier about kind of what leaders we've got in the team, the fact that, you know, Barbie had kind of leader characteristics. But actually, I think in Janssen, you really do have someone who really wants to take forward the team and, and to lead it. And I think that's what I can appreciate from him. Dare I say, I do think he has his antics that I think I'll come to hate. And, that, well, I already have kind of got resistance to, but it, he works hard. And I think it's, it is a, it's, it's an intention move. It's a sign from the club that, they're moving in a direction and this is perhaps the time where they feel they can strike whilst the arm's hot. And it's interesting you talk about leaders because we discuss again a lot on the podcast and a lot between ourselves about leaders and about Brentford and our, and our captains. And we've always been pontificating who's going to be the captain. Remember one year we got Bidwell was going to be the captain. Harley Dean was really gutted because he thought he was going to be the captain, but he was outvoted. And at the end, then Bill Will got the captain that year. And a lot of people saying, mm, is Bidwell the captain? But the reason why I think they went for Bidwell is because of his professionalism. Whether or not you liked him or not, he was so professional. He used to turn up early, go late, and he was really professional about his game. So that's why the type of player that Brentford wanted as a captain. Harley Dean, you know, uh, he always wanted to be captain at Brentford. I think he was... He was 
he became captain in the end, didn't he? So eventually, when Bidwell went, he became captain, who's he's delighted about, and he's that sort of kind of you know punch the walls type person that everyone believes always needs to be a captain as such. You know, Sawyer's there's question marks. I love Sawyer's. I think he's a wicked bloke. There's question marks as to whether or not you know he wanted to be or whether or not he should be the captain at Brentford. You know, the question marks are still there. But interestingly, about Pontus Janssen with his experience, everyone looks at him and says he does look like captain material, and you sort of think you know is this the type of person that we're going to put into the captain material everyone talks about his bad egg side interesting if you talk to all and we're going to talk to him a little bit about the Malmo fans and they um, um, they did not believe that he was a bad egg at all and also if you remember David Beckham in his early days he got absolutely chastised especially you know 98 in the World Cup when he you know kicked out he got sent off everyone hated him 2002 um, European Championships he got dogs abused from England fans and then interestingly he was made captain and it really transformed him you know so you put responsibility with these people and things may change with them as well so with Pontus Jensen I just remember him scoring goals a few goals as a centre back and always charging and just being absolutely potty for it and I'm just wondering whether or not Pontus Jensen everyone talks about Leeds United Leeds United is also a bit of a chaotic camp as well they've had about 3,000 different owners 3,000 different managers they're all over the place they've got lots of big egos in that camp as well and I don't know whether or not he's coming out to Brentford don't forget he supports Malmo Malmo is not the biggest club in the world as in a club 22,000 fans um, stadium it holds is their stadium and they you know they're they're like the biggest team in uh, one of the biggest teams in Sweden so he supports this team. He's on the terraces there all the time with his mates. You know, if he gets substituted sometimes, he actually jumps off into the terraces. He's like a proper, proper character. So he's used to the smaller vibe. And I'm just wondering, actually, whether he's come down there and he might actually have a relation or relates more to Brentford than he actually might do to Leeds. Leeds is great and he, they all loved him. But that chaoticness, I don't know whether or not he could feel that he's a slightly bigger fish and also because it's much more personable you've got Peter Gillam actually asking him maybe how his family is and you know and 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 on all these things happening whereas Marco Bielsa he said that he didn't have a relationship with him because he didn't even speak Italian no listen we know this happens within football but he seems to be the type of person that needs to actually want people around him and he's a, a people person and he wants to have a little bit of a joke and a laugh but also do that Thomas Frank he's a brilliant bloke if you ever meet him he's top top bloke I can imagine him and Janssen uh, um, getting on and obviously the Scandinavian Peter Gillam he does his little job in there and everybody else so maybe this is a, a better camp for a player like Janssen and we, we felt because Brentford I know this for a fact if, if, a, if a player's a bad egg there's a number of bad eggs in inverted commas out there that Brentford brilliant goal scorers they haven't gone for them I, you know can't really name them on here but, as well, but I've seen these characters that they, they, they are out there that Brentford said I would have gone for him but it doesn't fit the profile of what we want but if they believe that they can deal with him, then maybe that's the reason why they've gone with him. I think I think you're spot on there, Bill. I think um, possibly Leeds, with all the you know, there's a bit of a circus that goes around that club with all the changes going on all the time. You know, there's a huge fan base there, lots and lots of social media chat. I think Brentford will probably suit Pontus a lot a lot better, um, and he will be he will be the, the sort of the governor, as it were. He'll be the he, he will be skipper. He'll he will lead. And I think that you know he will mature, and and I really think he'll give us something that we've not that we've really lacked for the last couple of seasons. You know that leadership, that experience, um, that that really could take us a long way, and I hope it does. And if Leeds fans listening as well, this is not a disrespect on Leeds at all. Because Leeds, look, listen, big club, you know, fantastic club, great support. Like I said to you, is up there at the back end of the last season um, in the playoffs. And listen, the the, the the sound in the ground was absolutely tremendous. Listen, you've got a lot of good things going for yourself. 
you will even go out there and admit that there's certain things that you don't like about the way that your clubs run and we're not saying we are better than you are better we're just different you know what I'm saying so you would love to have one chairman who just did certain things and, and one manager that was there for six or seven or eight years it's not been like that so it's not disrespect on you I'm just trying to point out the fact where maybe I'm thinking that possibly our club may suit Pontus Janssen but this is something which is going to come out in the wash maybe in the next year or so so we will see but anyway we're saying all we can do, but we're making it up. But what better to find out about Pontus Janssen but to go to Leeds United and talk to a Leeds United fan. Let's talk to Oscar Marriott from the vlog All Talk Leeds as well. He knows everything about Pontus and he's going to let us know what he knows. How are we doing, guys? Oscar Marriott from All Leeds TV discussing Pontus Janssen's move to Brentford and my thoughts on the transfer. So what was Pontus Janssen like at Leeds? To be quite honest, he was an excellent centre-back for us and probably the most talented player we've had in that position in the last 15 years. The main thing I took personally from Pontus's time at the club was the improvement in his two main centre-back partners alongside Pontus. Carl Bartley and Liam Cooper, Pontus galvanised them both and took them to heights I don't think anyone as fans thought they were capable of and I think Pontus played a massive part in that You know, in terms of his influence and defensive style. It massively helped both players. That's not to say, though, that Pontus didn't have his controversies. He, he landed himself in hot water under three different managers during his time at Leeds. In the first two seasons, as fans, we turned a blind eye to it. However, his third season was different. He went too far this time. Accusing the FA of corruption in the Sky interview was the start of it. OK, it didn't affect the club so much, but it got him a suspension, a needless suspension. Then you've got the time when he was the only player in the entire squad who didn't praise Marcelo Bielsa's training methods to the press when given the opportunity in a press interview. Instead, he took it as a chance to openly question Bielsa's methods. And it just became all too predictable with Pontus towards the end, and tiring as well. If we lost games, he'd be the first down the tunnel. If we won the games, he'd be the last off the pitch. The most famous incident was refusing to follow Marcelo Bielsa's instructions towards the end of the season. We scored a controversial goal against Aston Villa where we played on with a Villa player down injured and Marcelo Bielsa told our players to let Aston Villa score but Pontus didn't follow this instruction. He tried to get in the way and it didn't look great in all honesty. We conceded the goal anyway and he's just caused a problem out of that for no reason and to be honest Pontus lost a lot of respect from a lot of people that day. For me personally I always felt his performances outweighed these daft moments but there's no denying Pontus tainted his legacy towards the end of that final season. Fans, as fans, we once saw these incidents as passion, but towards the end, it just became too regular, and in the end, it was seen as petulance rather than passion. And for Leeds fans, that is an absolute massive no-no, and that is why, you know, since Pontus has left the club, a lot of the criticisms have come out now. You know, people have sort of see that um, Pontus as as much as he does as passion, he does overstep the mark far too often. From a defensive point of view, Pontus has several good points to his game. He's incredibly proactive at dealing with situations. If he sees the ball, he thinks he even, he even has the slightest chance of winning, he goes for it. Simple as that. He goes for that ball. He dominates strikers in the air and covers his fellow defenders and centre-backs very well. His ability on the ball really shone last season as well. He's not only a good passer of the ball, but what he has that not many defenders have at this level, he has the capacity to travel with the ball and carry the ball by himself to the halfway line. The one aspect I do feel of Pontus's game that has prevented him from being a Premier League centre-back is his positioning. That is the one thing I think he really lacks at the minute. Whilst it's mostly great he's so proactive 
and likes to step out of the defence, he does leave a lot of space behind him when he does this. And it leaves space for the opposition to exploit. You know, I think against the quick, pacey strikers, we have problems and I think that is part of the issue. Sometimes Pontus stepping out too far and being too proactive. When it comes to penalty box defending though, there's no one you would want more in your team at this level. His reading of the game is the one thing I feel that lets him down on occasions. And it let him down on occasions for us and it is something he needs to improve for me to become a Premier League player. I do feel Pontus will fit in well at Brentford though. He's said himself on a few occasions that he prefers playing out the back and showcasing his ability on the ball. He will bring more aggression to the Brentford back line and you'll really, really start to realise his value on the occasions where you're on the back foot and defending for your lives and games. He comes alive in those situations for me. From an outside looking in, Brentford seems to struggle to soak up pressure in certain periods of games. You know, you're a great football inside. I have to say that you are a great football inside, arguably the best football inside in the league. But sometimes when you have a dodgy 20, 30 minutes, you do tend to concede. But I think Pontus could be the solution to this. He can see you through those difficult periods of games. The main issue from a footballing perspective is fitting Pontus into Thomas Frank's back three system. He never really convinced in this structure for Leeds. For him to be successful, for me, he has to play in the middle of that back three. He hasn't really got the discipline to play in the right or left channels of the back three. I do think, as much as it pains me to say it, I think Pontus is a fantastic signing for Brentford. But he needs someone, for me, alongside him, who can stay disciplined from a positional sense to truly see the best of him. Someone who's going to stick to his position so Pontus can go and attack balls and be very proactive in his defensive style. I do genuinely wish Pontus all the best and hope he can iron out those slight weaknesses in his game and off the pitch as well. He can sort... You know, those slight little issues off the pitch as well that have possibly stopped him so far from reaching his potential. I just hope it's not at our expense. But genuinely, I do wish Pontus all the best. Interesting views on the Pontus Janssen. Big player is going to be for Brentford, as you could tell. But moving on, Christian Norgard. We bought him from Fiorentina. Three million pounds, apparently. Again, it seems like everyone that we're going to buy from now on is going to be about three million pounds. So Fiorentino, he actually used to play for Bronby, which was Thomas Frank's team at Bronby as well. And I've got a feeling I might, he might have played when I went to go and see Bronby play against uh, FC Michelin uh, a few years ago as well. He was in the side as well as Puki as well. So uh, so there you go. But um, Christian Norgard, the centre midfielder that we've been looking for. We've been desperately looking for a central midfielder and... Uh, it looks like we found one, isn't it? Yeah, he's a, he's a defensive uh, central midfielder as well. So I think that's what we've been looking for since uh, Tumani uh, left us. Um, I think if you remember, Tumani was absolute class towards the end of his time with us. And uh, we, we haven't had a player like that since. Um, we've, we've put players in those positions. We've put Woods in, who's, you know, who's very good, but didn't quite um, have that same kind of mentality. Um, and I think I think Norgard is is the man. You look at him, and you, as you said, Thomas Frank knows him. He's he's uh, he knows the kind of player he is. And he knows how he wants him to play. I think he's going to be fantastic. And what I've seen so far, he's looked fantastic. My only worry is that we've been talking about going switching from a five to a to a four at the back. And I think if obviously if you've got the four, Norgard is your man to sit in front of them, and he look you know it's ideal for that. You can't afford to have a defensive midfielder when you've got a back five. So I don't know if what the plan is. I don't know if he's only going to play when there's a four behind him or or what. Well, again, I spoke to um, 
Ethan Pinnock as well. I spoke to him at AFC Wimbledon, really, really nice guy, just chatting to him about a few things. Again, especially as the last game that I saw, I personally saw him playing was a playoff game versus East Thurrock. He's playing for Dulwich Hamlet as well, and he was in defence for them, and they let in three goals in the first half as well, so it was quite bad. But yeah, I saw him play there as well, um, as it was Nick was there as well, the old Brentford fan Nick. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he was down there as well. So we had a few bees in the house down at Ethan watching uh, Ethan Pinnock about two seasons, two or three seasons ago playing for them. So I was reminiscing with him about um, Dulwich Hamlet, talking about playing that, you know, his graduation up to Brentford. And, you know, I said to him, you know, what are you going to be playing? How are you going to be playing um, at the back? You know, because obviously we, we've switched from four at the back to five at the back. And he said that we're going to be varying now. Sometimes we play four. Sometimes we play five, just depending on the match, the tactics, how the boss is feeling. So I think what we're doing is that we're bringing players in so that we can switch accordingly as well. So that could be quite interesting. So maybe, you know, Norgard, he does appear some games, he doesn't appear certain games. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, w- I would have thought that he'd probably be there for most of the games, to be kind to you. But I think that it's going to be, it's going to be different, you know, depending on the opposition we're playing as well. But another player that we're talking about other than Norgard, is Matthias Jensen as well. Um, he played for Celta Vigo. We got him for Celta Vigo. Again, quite similar to Christian Norgard. We talked about Norgard. Norgard at Fiorentina, but he had a brilliant time at Bromby. But then at Fiorentina, he had a terrible time. And just coming back to that as well. But interestingly, Thomas Frank actually played Norgard as a, uh, an attacking midfielder at, uh, at Bromby. And it was only when Thomas Frank left and he was moved to a defensive midfielder where he became absolutely brilliant. But because he knew about this passing game, he can actually be a, 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 a defensive midfielder who is absolutely brilliant at passing. So that's quite an interesting scenario. Now, Jensen is an attacking midfielder as well. He used to play, you know, said at Norgeland, he used to play with uh, Marcondes as well. Apparently he was absolutely brilliant. Marcondes used to bang in the goals, but it was Jensen was the man who was making all the goals. He was like a Pritchard. He was like a, people say to him, he was like a Sawyers meets Ben Rama. He's quite an exciting player who was fantastic for there. Went to Celta Vigo. Again, didn't quite work out for him. Hardly got any games from there. What Brentford do, they look at players who are potentially good. They're a bit down in the doldrums. They, they pluck them out there, play a little bit of money. So the potential is there. For, for Jensen so he sounds like a very very good player an exciting player an exciting attacking midfielder which again puts question marks a little bit on Sawyers who like I said to you we're going to talk about possible departures but you know is this the, the man who's going to be looking at you know the Sawyers position but anyway we'll come on to that in a little bit but we've talked about these guys but we don't really know that much about them but what we do we've got a Danish football expert in who knows about Christian Norgard who knows about Matthias Jensen, even knows about Thomas Frank. He's Bronby fan, Martin Vismark. We're going to chat to him right now. So heading over to Denmark, we're talking to Martin Vismark, Bronby fan. Martin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, as Thanks you see, Brentford up. has gone Brent Fjord as it is because we've gone proper Scandinavian, <laughs> bringing all these players in though, you know. And you're the man with the mm. knowledge because I know that you're a Bronby fan as such, but you've got knowledge of all Danish football. And uh, you've been quite impressed with Brentford so far, haven't you? I have, I have. I've been impressed with their with their signings. I mean, I've of course I follow the Danish league closely, and I know that um, on Twitter and other places that there was a ton of fans from multiple clubs in Denmark hoping that uh, that both Norgard and Matthias Jensen would find their way back to our league. But um, so I think it was a it's a good bit of business from Brentford. A lot of quality for 
decent money. Okay. So I think that it's going to be interesting. Which is follow. interesting as well. I mean, and obviously being a Bromby fan, you're very knowledgeable about Christian Norgard as well. Mm. And uh, a yeah. good uh, defensive midfielder. Just tell us, what can we expect from Christian? Um, I, he's a he's a very uh, he's a very skilled player. He's a very technical player. He's a very um, he was massively important for us in the last season he played there. Uh, Denmark has one hasn't won the championship since '05, and we were this last season he played was the closest we came. We came second. Um, and just to give you an idea, like we sold, he, he was the only player we sold and we ended, ended fourth last year. You can't solely contribute that to him, but he was uh, a massive influence for us in the midfield. He's super skilled technically. He's, um, he's a hard worker. He's, he's very, from what I've heard, he's a good locker room guy as well. Like he's very well liked. And, um, and of course he gets to reunite with the, Thomas Frank, who gave him his debut for Bramby back in the day and who had him in the under under national teams as well when Thomas Frank used to be a coach there. So they have a history together. So I'm sure that will also be um, very useful for them and uh, him finding his footing in Brentford. Right. I mean, tell us a player that he's similar to, you know, because it's good for us to get a sort of indicator of what type of player he is. He's... Um, I, I, I struggle to find a, an exact comparison because it's really hard for me to find players that are they, they always differ but for me I think some he's he's one of those defensive midfielders that are probably equally skilled and physical like he's a very good re- reader of the game I won't go like you can get like N'Golo Kante or something but like he covers a lot of ground he's super good at into fearing with the opposite, opposite place because he used to be offensive midfielder he's also a good passer right so he's also good in i mean we had a german coach uh, thomas soniger when he was at his best and they played a high pressing game so he's he's grown up in a he's used to physical high um, pressure lots of movement around the field so he covers a lot of ground and he also he's if we have to go on downside, I saw he scored in his debut game for you guys, so that was positive. He doesn't score a lot of goals compared to being a central midfielder. I know he's been a defensive midfielder, but still, he gets in positions where his finishing still can lack a bit of um, finesse, but um, he's um, he still has that offensive midfielder in him that he used to be, so I feel like he's a, he'll be very versatile for you guys. But the defensive midfielder will clearly be his best position. He left and he went to Fiorentina over in Italy. Mm. It didn't quite work out for him. Now, he's come to Brentford now. How is it going to be different? How is it going to work out for him at Brentford as opposed to Fiorentina? What went wrong there, which is going to go right at Brentford? I think that it's hard to know. I mean, he didn't play his best in the beginning in Fiorentina. He got a couple of chances. Then he was... Uh, out of the squad for a while and I think he never really got a chance they had some really good older defensive midfielders so there was a lot of competition for the spots and I think um, of course he didn't feel like he had the confidence of his coach either so I think that given time Thomas Frank knows what he's getting so he and 
there's also the the whole Danish connection with FC Midtjylland and the owners, right? The Benhams. Uh, so. I think he's been well scouted both in his time in Denmark from from your like because I'm sure the two clubs talk to to each other right in terms of scouting. So I think he'll he'll get more of a chance here and because um, he he was a slow starter in Brentford too. Like the first couple of seasons, he was okay, but then when he really found his footing, he was immense. And he was only 24 at the time, so and he's still only 25, so. He has a lot of potential, and I think he'll, the, the, maybe the English way of playing too will suit him because it's a little bit more of a physical game, and and he's used to that from playing in Denmark too. And from what I can understand as well, his first couple of seasons at Bromby, he was actually an attacking midfielder, and it was only when he switched mm. to a defensive midfielder where he actually upped his game. Is that right? Yeah, and, and and again, coming back to his finishing, I think that like he didn't produce like what you expect of an offensive midfielder. Like the end product wasn't there. So moving him a little bit further back, giving him a little bit more time to distribute the ball and stuff has really helped him grow as a player. So listen, you talked about Thomas Frank. You worked with Thomas Frank at Bronby. Obviously, Thomas Frank was your head coach when you were as a Bronby fan. What was Thomas Frank hmm. like at Bronby? And I'm just wondering, you know, how he's progressed to, to where he is now at Brentford. He's a, first of all, he's a very well-liked coach from the players. I mean, when he was fired, they were, as it always is, of course, they don't go out in public and comment that much. But you could tell that they were sad. Like, he, he's a player's coach. At least he wasn't Bumby very much. Like, he's, um, he's very good at working with players one-on-one. He has the, um, the youth angle, so I think that he's very good at also instilling confidence in young players. And... Um, and I think he's his problem, if I would say that, at least I haven't watched as many Brentford games because as we talked about before the interview, it's hard for me to watch them in Denmark. They're not really on TV. But defensively, he was at certain points quite naive, at least in Bumby. It got better as he progressed as a coach, of course, but he's very much an offensive coach or he was very much like more three twos than one zeros at least in one and uh, and so he knows how to score goals i think what i've deducted from the danish media and the following of brentford that he's had to adapt quite a bit i think everyone has probably to the championship it's a whole other beast than any other league because there are so many matches during the season and stuff like that so he seems to have adapted pretty well and um, from the end of last season it's encouraging at least that he seems to have found his balance with the with the squad, so I'm I'm super intrigued to seeing how he can move it forward this season. So I mean, being a Bromby fan, you also look at the players all around the league, and there's one player who you told me has really impressed you is Matthias Jensen, who's another player who's just mm. signed for Brentford, an attacking midfielder. Now I'm just wondering what type of player can we expect from Matthias? He's um, first of all, he's really technically gifted like he he was widely regarded as the best passer in the league even back when he was in Denmark he was 21 so but he has an excellent um, vision for the game he's a super excellent passer he's a surprisingly good finisher too like he scored a lot I think it was 12 goals in last season he's uh, from the midfield so he's he gets himself into situations where he um 
where he excels both in finding his teammates and and scoring goals. And for you guys, of course, the connection with Marcondes when he used to play in in Ipswich is there. They had a really good um, relationship and they worked really well together. And he was a big part of the 17 goals that Marcondes scored in 19 games. So maybe there's a real connection there that you guys can benefit from too. I mean, I mean that'd be great. I mean, obviously, Mark Condes has been there for a, for a while at Brentford, and he's still trying to find his feet um, at the bees. And like I said to you, that connection that he's got with Matthias um, Jensen could be quite interesting. I'm just wondering again, just talking about a similar type of player, because Brentford fans like to, you know, not saying he's exactly like that, but as an attacking midfielder, who would you say that he's similar to, or what can we expect? It's it's um, of course he's still young, so I mean, I, I feel like he has probably the highest ceiling of any under 21 uh, player uh, in Denmark probably he's widely regarded as the best in his um, in his class so to speak he's he reminds me a little bit of Klaus Jensen that some of you listeners probably know who played as, at least for him I remember he played for a few years and also in the Premier League he's a very hardworking, very technical very um, very skilled player and he he works super hard and he's uh, very engaged. He had a terrible season at Celta Vica. So I think you should expect him to probably make a slow start. He's been injured most of last season, didn't play much. So he probably has to refine his fitness and stuff like that. And he's still only 23. So I think that he's probably a little bit more of a project in the, in the short term, but he could be, he could have an even higher ceiling than Norgard if he, if he finds his footing. And again, Celta Vigo didn't quite work out for uh, for him for, for various reasons. Why is he going to come to Brentford and make a difference? How do you think it's going to be better for him at Brentford than Celta Vigo? Well, I mean, there's multiple reasons. I think that for um, he was quite an expensive purchase at Celta Vigo. So there was a lot of expectations for him because the money in the Spanish division, if you disregard the big, big clubs, isn't as much. So... I've, I don't know if the, the pressure combined with the with the price tag meant that he wasn't really allowed to find his footing or anything. Like I think I feel like he's not going to be expected to go straight into the to the first team at Brentford from day one and be a, a, an important player. And he's still very young, so we I think you have to to give him a bit of time. But I think that the Thomas Frank connection and the and the and the, I mean he's twenty one. He came to a Granted, there are many Danes in Santa Vigo, but he's still going to be, he's going to have a lot of people that he can lean up against. And he, he knows some of his Frank as well. So uh, at least perfectly. So I think he, he I think he will um, eventually grow, but I think he will probably take a little bit of time. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he's going <laughs> to end up for name one, but everyone can be in the squad. So I think he's going to give you guys tons of alternatives on the offensive side of the ball, which is going to be nice. Excellent. Very, very exciting. Listen, Martin, thanks very much for your insight there as well. And like I said to you, as we, we have moved slowly but surely merging into Brent Fjord, the Scandinavian version of... Uh, I'm going to be British... exciting to follow. Yeah. It's going to be exciting to follow. I think there's a lot of Danes that are looking towards like and following. And Brentford's getting, at least for a championship side, a lot, cover, a lot of covering in the Danish media, right? Because there is this whole Danish angle. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting for us. And hopefully also for the future of our Danish national team. 
it's going to pan out for the players because they're going to be an important part of the future for a national team, I'm sure. Excellent. Right. Thanks, Martin. You say yourself, your Bromby fells, all your Danish pals, you're welcome to come over and join the, the hordes of Danes that already come over to Brentford and you can have a beer with us before and after the match. Oh, we will. We will. Thank you. So they're the views from Martin Vismark from Denmark, the Bromby fan. Very excited about his Danish players. He's even started following Brentford because of the Danes coming over there as they do. You know, we've got a massive, massive, massive contingent of Scandinavians coming to see us. And we've got the old Scandinavian T-shirts, the Brent Fjord, F-J-O-R-D. It's really bad pun there, but it's got to be done. If you go check out besotted.com and you'll see our new range of T-shirts there as well. Brent Fjord as well. We've got the new old school Brentford Lonsdale shirt and we've also got the effing Brentford shirts out there as well, which is good for a laugh. Just get your new gear out there for the season as we go. But listen, new players as well. David Raya. Blackburn goalkeeper came in Bentley's gone out and uh, good goalkeeper good shot scoping goalkeeper some people say that he's mm, you know he still needs a little bit more position in a sense he made a bit of a blunder at Griffin Park last season but all goalkeepers make blunders but we're talking about him let's find out exactly what the Blackburn fans views are we're going to talk to Daniel Griffiths from Talk Blackburn about their goalkeeper that they had which we have bought David Raya Hi, my name's Daniel, and I run the Blackburn Rovers fan page, Talk Blackburn. And I'm going to be talking about David Rea, and I have to say, David Rea for Blackburn, he's come up through the ranks from the Yusufa side of things when we brought him in. And he has become a very good goalkeeper in his own right. He's a very young goalkeeper as well, which I think is always very promising, because you can get a lot longer out of them up until they're 40 near enough. And I have to say, David Rea is a good goalkeeper. His shot stopping is probably one of the most standout stuff that I actually mention um, whenever I talk about him. He's absolutely brilliant there. And to be fair, for us, he did so, so well. I cannot deny that whatsoever. Especially when we went on League One, he stepped up, became first choice, especially when Steele was dropped when we got relegated that season. He stepped up into a championship side and did absolutely brilliant, I thought, personally. And I've rated him since he actually uh, joined Blackman Rovers in that youth system. But I have to say, he does actually have some really good points. Like I just mentioned, the shot stop inside of things. Like, this guy will easily keep a shot out very, very well for you. And I, there's sometimes where you've actually kept Blackburn in the game, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Just some of the double saves that you see him pull off. Um, there was a there was a save that he did as well. I think it's against Raw from him. I might be wrong there. And it was an absolute brilliant save. But the, the shot was offside. It was one of the best saves you see actually all season. And... To be fair, there weren't many bad memories that I have with David Rea. Not many bad points, really. Other than the fact he's not very good at actually catching the ball when he comes in for a cross. That's kind of one of his biggest downsides. And I have to say, since the West Brom injury where he broke his nose, he just seems to lack a little bit of confidence. He comes for the ball, but just isn't that convincing enough and seems to fumble it. I honestly think he had, if he had the right goalkeeping coach and he actually... Um, just strengthen himself up a little bit and a little bit more confidence recovering from surgery. I honestly think you become an absolute brilliant goalkeeper. And those little mistakes won't really um, be there anymore, especially those little fumbling ones as well. And I have to say, though, 
I am quite sad to actually see him leave Blackburn Rovers. I never thought he would. I won't lie. When he stuck with us in uh, League One, because there was a little bit of interest from other clubs, he still stuck with us. And I generally thought that he would still stay with us this year. And I think Blackburn is going to be a little bit difficult, in all fairness, to actually keep some players, especially with the money that goes around, to be truthfully honest. So I am sad to see him go, especially from that youth prospect side of things. And to be fair for Brentford, I really think he'll fit in really well. I think if he just get rid of those little tweaks, tweak him a little bit so he isn't fumbling the ball as much, he's going to be an absolute quality goalkeeper. And to be honest, he's going to be playing in the Premier League in a couple of years. So, you know what? David Rea, Brentford have a very, very good player on their hands, especially for that price tag. Incredible. <laughs> So the new man between the sticks, David Raya, the view from the Blackburn posse there, which is interesting. And like you said to you, we'll just have to see how it goes. A little, you know, a little bit of development there as it is. But you know, there's an argument to say that we swapped like for like. But another player who's excited me quite a lot, Ethan Pinnock. Like I said to you, I've seen him play quite a lot for Dulwich Hamlet a few seasons back. He transferred from Dulwich, went to Forest Green Rovers, had a season there, did very well. Then he got transferred to Barnsley. And he went up to Barnsley and he had a fantastic season at Barnsley. Barnsley fans, were, you know, again, weren't very happy when he, when he left Barnsley at the end of the season, especially as they got promoted because they thought if they got promoted, he's going to stay with us. But Brentford came in with an offer. They came in with a dream. As it is, they sold the dream into him. And uh, the Pinnock has left Barnsley to join Brentford. I met him at the AFC Wimbledon game. It was me and my little daughter there. We chatted to him for quite a lot. Lovely, lovely bloke. Take photographs, just talking about stuff. He's even got a degree. He's got a sports degree as well. As well. So, yeah, he was talking about that, which is, uh, which is all good. So, a lovely, lovely bloke. Proper, lovely, level-headed geezer. And he's very tall. And he knows how to head the ball. So, he's going to hopefully give us an aerial presence in both boxes as well. But, I mean, I know you, you the pinnock, you're very excited about this signing, aren't you? Yeah, I, I think actually his characteristics make him stand out as a real rock at the back, and that's something we've been looking for. We've, we've had a long time where we've had kind of alternative centre-backs that have kind of all had their strengths that aren't conventional centre-backs, you know. You look at Metham, he doesn't necessarily fit that kind of bold of like a big rock in centre-back. And, and, and I think I think Pinnock has really got that, and... Uh, I think my one holdback on him so far, though, is on his ability to play the ball out from the back. It's the one thing that I'm just not sure on yet. I've seen him in a couple of the friendlies now, and his passing ability hasn't been quite as strong as perhaps some of the players that we've let go. And I think I'm keen to see how that develops, because part of the way in which we play is that we obviously pride ourselves on playing out from the back. And I'm just not quite sure how much he's bought into that yet. But that's exactly what coaching is all about. It's uh, very early days at this point. It's two games down. But uh, I hope that that's the kind of side of the game that he can bring and we can really start to develop then into a... And if he's the rock at the back that we have, that we can really develop into a side that you uh, you feel threatened by because he is a really threatening presence at the back. And again, you know, this whole thing they say is that if he's the perfect picture, then he wouldn't have been with Brentford as well, which is the, which is the scenario. And like I said, the pass, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, Ray's passing game wasn't what we expected to be. Also, Pinnock's passing game, you know, wasn't quite what he expected to be. But on the other hand, I have to be <laughs> have to admit, I'm surprised that he probably knows any of the names of the players that he's playing with at the same time. So you have to remember that we play a particular type of football and we are properly well drilled in it. And Barnsley might think that they're a passing team 
and they you know they play the bail out but I think there's probably a different levels of that you know and I think he's still trying to get on trying to get used to that so again you know I'm just I'm just making a comment there as well but what do I know because we've met him chatted to him we've all chatted about him but what's better to go over to Barnsley the team that we've just signed him from and let's just speak to the characters up at Barnsley let's talk to Mark Cooling from Barnsley and we will get an idea of what Ethan Pinnock is really like Hello, uh, my name's Mark, I'm a Barnsley fan, I've been for about 30 odd years or so, um, know you guys uh, from over the last couple of seasons with uh, with the work I've done uh, with the fanzine West Ham Boggs, uh, we've all moved on to different things now, so um, yeah, Ethan Pinnock, um, fabulous signing, um, can't rate him highly enough, um, absolutely solid in the centre, with uh, Liam Lindsay, uh, Liam Lindsay's gone as well as as Adam Davis. So our our defence has pretty much been um, completely changed. Um, the I think I think the stats from last season um, kind of speak volumes, really. Uh, and and obviously Ethan Pinnock absolutely central to that. Um, I, I I can't based on what I've seen. Um, in his time with us in League One uh, and getting promoted last season, I, I can't actually think of that many um, bad points or bad things to say about him. Absolutely solid, composed, brilliant in the air, um, cool and calm as you like on the deck, can find a pass as well, um, and, and quick. Uh, just just uh, that level, a uh, brilliant all-round centre-half. I think if there are any minus points, I think what people will say is, uh, obviously was with us when we got relegated as well, and it didn't look quite as um, comfortable, composed. So I think still a bit of an unknown quantity in terms of, um, yeah, brilliant in League One, but we all know Championship and Championship-level uh, strikers, completely different kettle of fish. So uh, unproven at that level, that's that's the literally the only thing um, I can say. And, and if if you have got him for the kind of money that we're talking about, less than three million, um, then you've you've it's an absolute steal, really. But a player with twelve months left on his contract um, who didn't want to sign an extension. Um, that's kind of the Barnsley way. We we take the money and and reinvest it. Um, so will it be good for Brentford? Um, I, I think so. Uh, you guys have always played football. Um, that's that's what he likes. Obviously, he's from that neck of the woods as well. I think uh, I think he, he was a Dulwich player before he went to Forest Green and and then on to us. So yeah, I think he'll he'll be a brilliant fit for Brentford. Obviously, he's is is close to home and stuff. So there'll be no settling in period. Um, it's just whether he can. Um, translate what he did last year um, and up, up his game into uh, championship but I think he's championship all day long so um, yeah I think that's about it on Ethan Pinnock um, you've got yourselves a bargain um, but I think we've signed a couple of solid looking centre halves as well so uh, so who knows anyway uh, best of the luck uh, for the season Billy and I'm sure we'll uh, chat throughout cheers bye so there we have it players coming in so far the amazing thing about this season I think we spent roughly about 90 million so far on players which is about 52% of the money that we've ever spent 
in the whole history of our players in, since we've been born in like 1889 to now. So uh, it just goes to show you how this season is amazing. Saying that, though, everyone thinks, oh, we've spent loads of money. We're still in the black because what we're doing, we're spending the money that came in, particularly from last season. We had Woods and we had Mepham go. Was it 15 million and Yanaris as well? So we spent that money straight away. So we're actually in the black. So we're not we're not doing a Derby County and spending money that, in effect, that somebody's just throwing in there. We're actually spending money that we've got. And also, from top of that, we've got 12 million from Ezri Konza as well. So we're actually in the black. So what that's done is this puts us in quite a good position because we can sit out there, we can hold out. We're not desperate to sell. We're not desperate to do anything. In fact, we could probably even buy a player. We could buy a striker now and still sit there and he can sit beside Malpay and then Malpay goes in January. So there's a lot of things that we can actually do at the moment now from this financial situation that puts us in good stead. So that's a really, really good position to be in. But listen, we've talked about that. Shall we talk about who possibly may be leaving Brentford? We're talking about players who might leave. We've got to talk about that. The main one, Neil Malpay, rested he was out in Germany or Austria. They flew into Munich and then they went over to Austria. But then Malpay has not been seen for a couple of days because he's been rested. The rumour is as well, he's been sent back to the UK for a few days to, to rest. Because he, the plane flight was obviously too strenuous for him. So he needs to rest himself. And like I said to you, it's been still day. So he's going to uh, celebrate because he's a very patriotic French person as well. But other than that, you know, so Neil Malpay, the rumours linked with him. Aston Villa, I mean, uh, well, Aston Villa, that was the early one. Is he going to be Aston Villa or not? We don't know. The, the rumour was that, you know, they talked about going to Aston Villa, but Dean Smith mm, didn't really offer because big money, 20 mil, and also he went and got the money for the Brazilian. So he signed that Brazilian for 22-odd million from, uh, from Belgium. So is he really on the... Um, on the radar also Dean Smith you've got to remember director of football buys the football at um, the players at Aston Villa it's not Dean Smith so you know how much sway does he really have yes he's going to put in there but you know you know Malpay for 20 mil not sure you know maybe they might go for someone who they feel is going to be an obvious Premier League signing and also they like their marquee signings at Villa and is Malpay marquee enough for them you know that's the thing um, the one Sheffield United all Sheffield United fans believe that he's gone there he's there it's all over done deal end of story story at the back end of last week like I said to you our mail power is in there he's going to go to Sheffield United but they hadn't even put in a phone call hadn't even put in a bid you know so how could a player go to a club if you've not actually put any phone calls in that's not going to be happening and this has been going around with all the, the, the agent circles and all the contacts that we've heard we could be pulling on them whether or not Sheffield United have made some different moves now but the rumours are do Sheffield United really have the money the big money to bid for him after they've had to pay for their spent their stadium to be rejigged they've had to actually make their stadium Premier League ready cost a lot of money that and also the money from the Premier League isn't coming in for quite a few months as well and their owners they've got these rucks with their owners who they're not quite in bed with their owner who there's all sorts of malarkey going on with their owners as to you know how much he's going to pay and, and who owns the club and all this kind of stuff so are they really going to go out and spend 20 million they're not the type of club that goes and does that they're not really so if they do it'll be very very surprising they've just signed a player for 6 million from P&E today as well so we'll see question marks there um, 
Who else? Seville. That's back old school as well. Um, West Bromwich Albion have been linked with him. Brighton, never going to happen in a million years. That's just a, yeah, that's just a fact as well. What I think is brilliant is finally it's coming. West Ham have been linked with Malfe. And every single striker we have, West Ham are always linked with it. And they always get really excited and it never, ever happens. So the fact that he's linked with it, I just think is completely um, hilarious. Uh, and, oh, and Leicester. Uh, no. <laughs> no, you just have to throw that in for old school terms as well. Neil Malpe, is he going to... He's resting at the moment now. He told us last year, we met him back in the last season, Lars Brentford wants to stay with Brentford, really loves the vibe, especially we're going to go over it next season. Do you think Malpe is going to be here at the beginning, well, after the transfer window, second week, the Middlesbrough game? I suspect not. And not because it's Malpe, but because he's very, very sought after and he's got an agent who seems to be quite keen to get a little payday. Um, I think if Malpe goes, it's got to be for 20 plus uh, and good add-ons because I think he's got he's got so much potential to go much much higher than that. Um, I also think that if he goes, he should go very very soon. So we've got time to to get his replacement in because I'm sure that the Doffs have got uh, their eyes on people. If this happens, and they'll they'll make it happen. Uh, but if that if it just goes on and on and on till the end of the transfer window and we end up uh, with no time to, to get the replacement in, that's going to hurt. Okay, what I'll say, and I'm going to throw the, I'm going to throw a little thing into the pot here. Malpay, the reason why if he's going to go, the reason why he hasn't go is that people haven't either bid at all, or if they have bid, they haven't bid the right type of money. And we are like proper dogmatic now. We don't care. 20 million or whatever the fee is going to be and if it ain't that we're going to go there but also and we've just talked about the, the mathematics very briefly here is now if you think Malpay is going to go if he doesn't go now he might go in January or he might go next year we're actually in the position to actually line our ducks up now we can go out and buy another striker tomorrow just like what we did with Bentley remember we bought in Bentley remember and Button went oh no what's going on here because he didn't want to sign a new contract we can very much go and do that similar type situation now if we wanted to. And never know, the, the director of football might be actually thinking, of, let's, let's just do that. We find a striker, we lock him down, we buy him now. And he'll be sitting on the, they'll be on the bench, Malpay on the bench. He's, they'll be sitting there beside each other. And then if Malpay decides he wants to go now, he can leave. If he decides he's going to go in January, he can leave. If he decides to go next year, he's leave. But it puts us in a powerful position to actually have a, a, a really decent um, um, depth, in, um, you know, uh, you know, depth in our squad as well, which which I think is a good situation. Not saying it's hundred percent going to happen, but I've just been thinking about this now. All this faffing around with Malpe, is he here? Is he not there? To be honest with you, we know he's got value, so we just need to do what we have to do. And I've noticed Brentford have done that quite a lot recently. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing is that why would we now compromise on a player that we think is uh, highly sought after? Uh, and suddenly change what we stand for we've always tried to maintain the value that we think for and if not then do you know what we take the hit I mean dare I say it you know we probably could have made money from McEachern, McLeod etc if we'd sold them back in the, the January transfer window last time but actually I think we've got away with it and I think you know if we can if we keep hold of him fantastic because people have met evaluation he'll do a great job for us if someone comes in for the right money then maybe it goes on I think it's it's kind of inevitable that he's going to leave either this window or, or in January. So we've got to be kind of looking elsewhere, thinking about replacements. Um, ideally, he'd stay. I mean, I'd love him to stay. I think, you know, he's, he's a proven goal scorer. We haven't really got anyone else like him at the moment, so we'd have to go out and find someone. Um, but, you know, inevitably he is going to move on and uh, we, need to, we need to start preparing for that now. Funny, again, I've talked to characters within the club and to say they played fair in advance... They were preparing 
one win like a year to 18 months in advance so we're looking at players to bring in the following summer and 18 months in advance so all this stuff is like you know it's like there's a conveyor belt of, of people out there so and I think that's part of the reason why they're so confident and they're like thinking if they go we've already got people lined up we'll bring them in should we bring them in now should we bring them in later so that's quite an interesting scenario and that's why I say there's a bit of a sea change with Brentford at the moment now another player who we love out there as well Romain Sawyers he's few rumours going out there Celtic apparently bid for him as well um, whether or not that's right or not I'm not quite sure I need to do a little bit of sniffing around on that one as well but then the Leeds United sniff came in as well which um, uh, I'm not quite sure how true that is but the Leeds fans were getting very excited uh, I'm not quite sure I don't know if that's his agent that's throwing that around or somebody else but regardless of that Romain Sawyers 27 years old at Brentford yes this is a great year for Brentford it looks like we might be doing things but at the same time he has to look for a last big paycheck as well because he's 27 um, and if he gets another th- a three or a four year deal from somebody else now on some good money that for him has got to be uh, where he's looking at uh, all I'd say to Sawyers is uh, don't go please don't go uh, I love that man so much um, he's, he's just a brilliant brilliant player and I think if I was Benford I would be tempted to just say look this is, if, if we're going for it this year that we can forgo the two million pound or whatever it is we might get from Celtic or whoever and just keep him for that year and let his, let his contract run down if we have to because I think he is just absolutely fabulous and makes us tick so Sav's up for the ticking yeah I absolutely echo that I think he, he had a fantastic season last year um, he links up so well with Camo especially in midfield I think he opens the play up He's, he's a pleasure to watch, and I really, I'd, I'd hate to see him leave, especially for that sort of money. That feels really, like, really low, uh, really low value for me. So I think he's worth holding on to. Lots of players. I think he's a, he's a brilliant bloke and a great player for us. And I think he's a, he's a massive asset. And you know, sometimes you sort of think you've got to make certain decisions to for the better of the team. And if we're going for it this season, maybe he's a key player for us. And the two million that we might lose maybe better for us to lose that if we end up getting 100 odd million if we get the Premier League just like the, maybe the move they've done with Pontus Janssen as well but again it's not my money it's not my club so you know that's how it goes as well now Ben Rama interesting one that this guy as well I think he's brilliant he's been out he's been injured now people were sniffing around him personally I think that he's a little bit of a risk for people even though he's a brilliant player I think some teams especially Premier League teams might be a little bit nervous of him um, however the player is available when the cost is right so I don't quite know what the situation is with Ben Rama as to whether or not he's going to go this window or not I really keep my fingers crossed that he doesn't yeah I mean I think we hardly rate him and we've obviously seen him week in week out I think though there is something to be said for the fact that the player didn't quite make the Algerian squad for the African Cup of Nations he was injured but I, I think if you felt like he was going to be someone who could still be there at the back end of that squad, that maybe he could have contributed. He's injured. Fair enough. That's it. Well, that's it. I just think, I don't know, I just don't feel like people have quite cocked on to how good he is. I think there's a lot of players that are out there that do his style of role, but I think he does have something good, and I don't see why he'd leave. I don't see the value in him leaving when he's got the potential to try and come with us as a club, potentially upwards, if that's what we're looking at. I think you also saw... Uh, Mopo's first year, we, we could see potential, we could see how good a player he was going to be. Uh, when he's got Ben Rama in the same side as him, suddenly Mopo's a fantastic player. We've been doing this for quite a while. We, we, Hotter was a fantastic player when he had um, 
uh, Colin behind him. They work so well together. And I think it's the same with Ben Rama and Mope. They're, they're a pair. They work so well together. They assist each other's goals. And, you know, t- t- together in the team, they're fantastic. I wouldn't want to lose either of them. And the, the, the other player that we've got to talk about is Ollie Watkins. Now, Ollie Watkins, for me, brilliant player. Last season, he had the best seasons. Still a good player. Uh, had a bit of an injury from what he understood. I think he had a bit of a toe injury. He kept on playing through that. I thought he was going to have an operation that wasn't quite had. What I thought at AFC Limberland, he looked like he was a man possessed. Like I said, a man on fire. Looked like he trimmed up. He looked like he got really fit. And I thought, listen, you know, if he's going to be playing like this all season, then this is a player that we definitely need in our side because you're going to cause a lot of problems as well. Now, Ollie Watkins, there's rumours flying around. There's always rumours flying around. Crystal Palace were looking about him, whether or not that's true or not. I don't, obviously, they didn't, they didn't put a bid in because none of these guys put a bid in. There's this Besiktas. What was it? Besiktas. That's right. Sav's the Greek here, so he, uh, the Greek here, so the Greek. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying the Greek-Turkish link, you know, is not quite. You know. <laughs> All right, okay. I shouldn't really go there, should I? No, no. I'm saying. No, but no. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, we should move on. Um, he's going to they're talking about um, some sort of transfer there but again, I don't think I don't know if the club's been contacted at all I think they'd be talking amongst themselves if this is going to be happening uh, again against Ollie Watkins but, um, but seeing how, how he is and how he's been performing I I just think that actually he's one player that we don't really want to lose this season at all because I think that he if he's on fire teams are, are scared of him yeah, I think, I think you're right, Bill. I think, yeah, you're right. Last season, he didn't have a great season. He, he just didn't look sharp, and he, he seemed to hesitate a lot when on the ball. But I think already pre-season, he's showing that he's, he's, he's looking back to his best. And I think he's, he's got so much more to give, and I really think he's going to be a key part of this season for us. Yeah, I think he's, he's shown real promising signs. I think his head clearly hasn't been turned by any of this interest as well. And I, and I think, you know, also it, it'd be good for us to keep supporting, you know, kind of British and homegrown players. You know, we've got we've brought in a lot of faces that aren't necessarily homegrown. I think it's important that we look after and try and nurture some of that homegrown talent that we've got. I think since he came to us, he's always been an effective player. I think there's, there's some times when he, you know, hasn't he's looked a bit off the pace or he's like made a few mistakes, but he's still a very effective team player. He scores goals, he he assists, he drives us forward. I, th- I think he's he's a very good player to keep. He is as well. Because uh, another player as well, I've got down the list there is Camo, who's just coming back from the African Cup of Nations as well. They've just been knocked out by Nigeria. Now Camo, I put him down because he's on a. He's only got a year to go, so Brentford also at the stage now where we will probably look at players with a year to go and think, hmm, shall we offload? Also with Camo, I think he's quite ambitious. If you speak to him, lovely bloke, really, really level-headed, really clever, and he also wants to play in the Premier League now. He's, he's the type of player which I think, you know, he's looking what's around him. I think, I think he was disappointed last season that we didn't do better than we did. You know, he looks around and I think maybe thinks that, you know, I want to have my teammates around me if we're going to go up. Um, but I would have said that he's a player that would have left. However, I think with Brentford's new injection and the way that we were actually looking to positively move the team forward and and, and invest in players, I'm hoping that Cameron will look at that and thinking, yes, I want to be part of this. As as, as to most of the key players out there saying, listen, even Malpe, why am I going to leave now to go to the Premier League? Well, to be quite honest with you, I could be in the Premier League with a team people that I know that I've grown with um, you know so for me I think this is the positive thing about the moves we're making now and I'm hoping that people like Malpe people like Ben Rama people like Watkins people like Camo will actually turn and say listen let's give it a little go even if it's till January to see where we are if we're 15th in January fair play you think okay tell you something it hasn't worked out you can make that move but if we're second or third or fourth 
in January, then they'll think, tell you something, this is great and you stick with it. So this is my hope with these players and we can hope that we can keep hold of these players because, you know, they've been for us with the, uh, the thin. Let's hope they're going to stay with us with the thick, you know. So anyway, we're going to talk about transfer gossip in, but i tell you something, there's so much nonsense clickbait stuff going around, I don't actually think it's really worth talking about. We'll talk about that stuff when it's a little bit more solid, because there's just too much nonsense flying around, and we've talked about a lot of stuff here already. But listen, we've been sitting here outside the Prince's Head for quite a few hours, watching the cricket, drinking lots of beer. We've had a really great time. The Prince's Head people have taken really, really, really good care of us. Like I said to you, you know, besotted Pride of West London podcast, I'm Billy Grant here. I was sitting here with the characters, the Savvy B, the Damo Flar, the Tom Fiddler as well. We've got all sorts going on. Like I said to you, besotted.com, check us out. The new t-shirt range is absolutely wicked. You will love them. People have been uh, very, very happy with them, actually. We're, we're, we're not quite surprised, but which is all good as well. And also, like I said to you, check it out. We'll do the Patreon thing, which if you want to help us out and help us continue doing what we're doing now as well, that'll be really good. Just check on, check or click on besotted.com and check that out. But other than that, very exciting new season. Pontus Janssen is not the only player that we've bought. We've got a whole load of players and we're a team. We're not about individuals. And we are Brentford. We've got a few more pre-seasons to go before we've got Birmingham City come to us at the beginning of the season. It's going to be a very, very exciting game. I'm very excited. My chums are excited. We're sitting in the pub. We're excited as we say. And as we sit inside Prince's Head in Richmond, we are saying to all our Richmond friends, Come on, you Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.